I'm a fun guy. Uh, obviously, I love the game of basketball. Um, I mean, it's just more questions you have to ask me um, in order for me to tell you about myself. I just can't give you a whole spiel. I don't even know where you're sitting at. But <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of America's Best Worst Canadian Sports Podcast. That's right, Real Good Show is back at it again for another week. It is episode number 178 and it is a very special episode this week. My name is Justin Morissette. Thank you so much for being with me again this week. And um, yeah, uh, I know I put out a show yesterday or Monday, depending on when you're listening to this, and um, it, to honor uh, the, the memory of our uh, dear departed friend Jason Botchford. Uh, last night was the celebration of his life, a media gathering uh, where, you know, a lot of great stories were told, a lot of fun was had, and um and and Sunday night was the first time that I have enjoyed sports again since Botch passed. Um, you know, it's been difficult uh, to be, stay mentally involved in the Stanley Cup playoffs when you uh, take a mental disconnect from professional sports for a good 10 days in the middle of the playoffs. Uh, coming back in in, you know, late second round, early third, it's hard for me to care about these teams right now now if we get jumbo joe versus the bruins in the stanley cup final i can totally get on board with that i can follow that and uh, be very uh, entertained by the storylines therein but you know i talked uh, on the show the botch tribute show the other day about how uh you know sports is just an arbitrary distraction and when um something awful happens uh in the periphery to sports, like, for example, the loss of a tremendous writing talent, it's hard to care about them. But on Sunday night, I was working uh, as the board operator slash producer for Game 6 of the WHL Final, the Vancouver Giants radio broadcast, as they uh, took on the Prince Albert Raiders live from Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Uh, so I had that going on in my headphones, but what I was really wrapped up in, okay, I was wrapped up in the drama of the Giants as well. It's been a fun run to the WHL final. It unfortunately came to a close last night uh, in Game 7 overtime, uh, which is incredible that they made it that far. Um, but what I was really wrapped up in was watching the Toronto Raptors take on the Philadelphia 76ers on the television. So I had split feeds in both ears. I've had the radio feed that I had to listen to for work in the left side of my brain, and the right side was entirely listening to the TV play-by-play commentary of Raps Sixers. And what a game. I just found myself so caught up in the thrill and drama of sports again for the first time In several weeks now, I was, you know, fist-pumping and yelling pretty well every single time Kawhi Leonard hit a basket in the second half. You couldn't help but get wrapped up in it. And then the finish, right? What 
an incredible finish. And uh, for me, it's funny because I didn't actually get to see it as it happened. The second period of the Giants game was coming to a close. Dan O'Connor, the uh, play-by-play voice of the G-Men, was throwing to break, so I had to take my eyes off the screen for maybe five seconds total, ultimately. Just five seconds where I had to look down away from the TV pot down the slider that had the Giants feed coming in, hit the button to send us into commercial break, tell Dan and Bill that they're clear and off the air. And by the time I looked back up, the game was over. I missed the shot. I didn't get to see it until about a minute later when the first replay aired after a you know, good amount of reveling, celebrating along the, uh, the floor, the raps just going crazy, the crowd going crazy. And it almost didn't matter that I didn't see it initially because when I looked up, I knew they won. I knew they won. And um, just what an incredible feeling that was and what an incredible basket it was. And I'm not even a dedicated Raptors fan. I like the Raptors, but I also like the LA Clippers. I also like the Portland Trailblazers. I also am kind of partial to the Denver Nuggets. Like, I just like basketball. And, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not, uh, you know, a diehard fan of this team. And even for me, what an insane moment. What an insane thing to witness. What a what a tremendous game that was what an incredible finish it had and so to do justice to a moment so insanely good that it has won back my heart in terms of professional sports and made me feel that passion and fire for following games following teams following playoffs again um it felt right to to do a tribute show to one single moment uh, that will honestly live in the history of not just Toronto sports, but Canadian sports moments, and and the history of the NBA as well, because it's the only Game 7 buzzer beater in history. This will live on forever. And to capture the magic of that night, I've been joined uh, here today by... A, a tremendous many uh, sports writers, broadcasters, uh, content creators, and, you know, even some some fans, some casual fans like me as well. Oh, some diehards, some newbies. You'll hear them all. It's an oral history of the shot. Where were you last night? A real good show special. <laughs> Kawhi up top, looks at the clock, turns the corner for the win! Sean Woodley, a writer for Raptors HQ, podcaster at Locked on Raptors. 
I am 26 years old. I've been a fan since, I guess, 2000. That would be the first year I kind of caught on with Vince. And do you have any problem identifying as a fan, as someone who now works in media? Absolutely not. I think that is a, a thing that should not be worried about anymore. We're in 2019, and uh, sports are fun, first of all. And if I were to be covering the team adversarially, I would be able to separate myself from it because I feel like I'm probably one of the team's harshest critics as a fan and also with a brain who can kind of turn off the the fan part of my brain when it needs to be. It, it's not that difficult a thing to do. Uh, and uh, I, I would never uh, ask someone to not be a fan if they wanted to be a fan of a team. It, it's silly. All right, Sean. I, I love to hear that. Uh, okay, so 19 years you've been following this team. Last night, uh, first of all, where are you last night? I was at the game. I was covering it for uh, for HQ, and it was different because usually we sit up in the media gondola. Uh, myself, Daniel Reynolds, who is my editor at Raptors HQ, and then usually some of the other blogger types, they kind of stick us all together in a little cluster. And usually we get pretty like central seating in the upper gondola, but it was insanely packed at the arena last night, as you might expect for Game 7. So we got pushed all the way down to the far end. So we're on the far end of the court like on the opposite side from where the buzzer beater ends up happening and it's myself it's daniel and it's lewis zatzman from raptors republic all sitting together and like we're very openly just like with our like our hearts on our sleeves for the game like it was impossible to stay objective like the the concept of press row objectivity objectivity took a real hit last night and we don't care because like you would be inhuman to not if you have a, like an investment in the game. You'd be inhuman to not care. So we're sitting there on the in, in the press box up in the gondola, far side of the court, and we're just kind of going through it together, holding each other, talking <laughs> talking each other through it. And uh, eventually, obviously, we know what happened. And then, like when it happened, and it goes down, I just stood up <laughs> like uncontrollably. And just had my head in my like my hands in my head for like 30 seconds without saying any words, just looking around at the arena, going batshit crazy, and it was uh, it was amazing. It, it was really it's like easily the coolest thing I've ever covered. Is it the greatest moment of your sporting life as as a fan as well? Yeah, because I was there, I think it takes the cake over the bat flip, and also like the Raptors are definitely for me above the Blue Jays. Like they're they're one two, but. The Raptors, obviously, like considering I also work in it, are you know they're there for me. So that would push it ahead of the bat flip. Um, whether you, I guess it's a debate whether like the bat flip, like by Joey Bats and the, the buzzer beater, like what is like actually the bigger thing. I think it's probably Kawhi's buzzer beater because it moves them on to the next round, and you know the, there was still a lot to be played in that seventh inning when uh, it was the seventh inning when Bautista hit his home run. So there was still two innings left to play, and like it could have, in theory, not been the thing that decided the game. It obviously ended up being that, so maybe we look back on it a little bit more fondly. But um, yeah, for me, it's it's that, and I can't really think of anything other than those two. Maybe Edwin Encarnacion's wild card home run. And there are a couple Leaf goals maybe back when I was like a little kid. But even then, like they've been so bad for so long, they don't really come to mind super easily. I guess there's like some Gary Roberts stuff in like the 0-2 playoffs. But even then, that's more just like long drawn out playoff magic and not like individual moments like Kawhi's 
three last or that wasn't a three it was a two right i don't even know was, i'm, I'm yes. still shaking it yeah, doesn't my matter brain is, right my brain is mush my brain is mush right now it's ridiculous <laughs> either way it wins in the dying seconds it doesn't even matter how many points it was but it was a long two uh huh. it, it, can we talk about like just yes you i mean you've touched on the the idea that you need to be impartial on press row being ridiculous there's been a lot of pushback today on uh video that circulated of uh the newsroom in uh, Toronto in in the Sportsnet offices, uh, all those guys just going nuts when the, mm-hmm. when the basket hits. Like, you know, uh, to me, it's it's a simple thing. Like the, these moments of pure joy, like you you can touch on it, be, like you just did. The bat flip stands out so obviously because there's like so few moments like that that you can draw from. When mm-hmm. these things happen, like we're all people. We we got into this industry for a reason. We like sports. Like, uh-huh. you wouldn't do this job. You wouldn't dedicate your life to – I mean, you do a daily podcast. You wouldn't do that if it wasn't important to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, I don't know how much people know about, like, who works in sports newsrooms and, like, sort of the constitution of – like, just sort of how those things roll. And it's not, like, people in there cheering an election winner. Like, it's, it, it's again, sports. It's fun and stupid and ultimately meaningless. And it's not like they're in there – cheering for like bad things to happen to people right it's again sports so i just the people who are working in there too like i don't think someone who's like editing together a highlight pack is going to be like i don't know at risk of not making a good enough highlight pack because of their personal biases towards a certain team you know what i mean like it's stupid to even think that would be a thing and I, I thankfully, apparently, I mean, I've muted like a thousand people in the last day because I'm instantly muting any Game of Thrones related tweets because I haven't watched it yet. So uh, maybe I've missed it from people who I've muted over the last 24 hours. Uh, but I thankfully have not seen much of that pushback because I think that's insanely stupid. The, the people who are working in these newsrooms, first of all, like, again, they're not like most of them aren't even reporting. They're just they're like doing tech stuff and they're making highlight packs and it's it would be absurd to ask them to put that aside so they can make a, an objective highlight pack. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. really really. Also, yeah. like, there's another part of that which is people need to understand like how much money we make working in this industry. It is not yeah. a lot. <laughs> like, we are not rolling in the dough by working in sports media. You get into this because of a love of the game, or you simply would not do it. Yeah, it's just it's such a tired like old man thing. It's like I mean like most peop- things like old men complain about. It's not it doesn't anyone use anyone with a brain that you talk to about it, it has like a reasoned sort of opinion on it. And obviously there are times where like fandom could intersect and become too much of a thing like if you're covering a game for example and you go into a locker room and ask for an autograph from a player. Yeah, that's not a thing. But again, that's not something that happens. Like people are who are in this who are like at that level have an understanding like a light fist pump on press row is not killing anybody and in the instance of an insane moment like last night like yeah do i feel bad about standing up with my my hands in my hair no i don't i I don't think that's hurting anybody and i think if you're feeling anything and absorbing the moment even if you're not a fan of either of those teams and you're just there covering it straight lace like how do you not react physically to what happened in that game it's ridiculous so yeah i just find the whole thing to be silly and it 
it is just like an old man thing that I would hope just eventually dies out. The concern of, you know, oh, you can't be rooting. You can't, you got to be unbiased. It's sports. Like, come on, stop taking yourself so seriously. And honestly, I feel like, and this has always been my stance, people who are fans of teams are always going to be more likely to be critical of them because that, like their direct happiness is tied to it. And, and uh, that's so it all kind of evens out that way too. So Absolutely. Yeah, it's silly. Absolutely silly to, to like get like uh, bent out of shape because uh, a newsroom of dudes got really excited about uh, a, a crazy once in a lifetime shot. Like it's that's one of the best shots literally in NBA history. It's on a short list already. And if you were to not get excited about that, like you're not working in the right business. Absolutely. You know, if you're invested, you, nobody's going to feel more disappointed or, or have more uh, ideas to point them in the, the direction of uh, ways they can do things that can take them away from what they're doing wrong than someone who is emotionally involved in the success of the team. So yes, I fully agree with that. And on that note, Watching the Raps blow a four-point lead in the final minute, how <laughs> positive were you in that final second uh, that things were just going to go wrong as they so often do? I was pretty certain that Miss Kawhi free throw was going to be the new Vince shot. Like Jimmy Butler goes down, and I guess there was reason to be like optimistic about overtime. The Raptors' defense was insane late in that game, and there's no reason why it couldn't have carried over. Joel Embiid looked like he, looked like he was like, getting pretty worn out. He played like 45 minutes in the game, like his career high, I'm pretty sure, and he looked like he was dead. Ben Simmons was on five fouls. I think Tobias Harris was on five fouls too, so maybe they fell out. So there was reason to be optimistic, but then you remember this is the Raptors, and of <laughs> course there's no reason to be optimistic until there was, and Kawhi hit that shot and everything was fine and it was just such a release of so much built up tension and anguish and years and years of success but not really success and failures and disappointments and just like the discourse capital t capital d all just kind of washing away like none of it matters anymore man like that shot fell they could lose to the bucks in five and yes it would hurt but like Raptors fans are always going to have that shot and Kawhi Leonard's always going to be tied to the team's identity because of that shot. And, you know, for me, I'm not much of like a titles or bust type of fan. I kind of more traffic in these moment type things. And yes, like winning a title would be amazing. But if the only thing you're after for happiness in your sports fandom is a title, then you're in the wrong fucking thing because you're just never, ever going to be happy unless you're from the, cursed town that is boston um and like you're just setting yourself up for disappointment for your entire life so you have to i think sort of enjoy and relish the moments when they kind of present themselves because at least they're a little bit more common and this was like this made it all worth it this was the Kawhi Leonard trade being proven as the right move and it, it was all just sort of you know the, the all the poetry with the sixers in game seven back in 2001 as well uh, it really could not have gone any more perfectly well, that was my next question was, does it even matter what happens from here having uh, got to witness <laughs> that? And, and I get, like, it really does not, you know? Yeah. Even if I mean, Col obviously it'd be nice if they could win. That'd be, that'd be swell. But, like, I'm not going to be brokenhearted about it. And I think the case for Kawhi staying has been made pretty well. That's the other thing hanging over it all. And if you're the kind of person who thinks he has to be on a finals team to stick around, then I, I guess that's going to be your bar for success. I kind of thought conference finals would be good enough considering the sell job they've done. And I like, 
I would much rather them lose in the next round and Kawhi stay than them make the finals and or even maybe even win it and him leave because I'd rather just sustain success where you have one of the best players in the world for a very long time because uh, guess what they do? They give you moments like last night and uh, that was awesome as hell. Do you think there's any pushback if he does decide to leave? Are people going to feel a ton of bitterness and resentment or is it just fully understanding and appreciative that you even got just this one year? Yeah, I think most people kind of knew the deal coming in and kind of braced themselves. As the season's gone along, I know I started the year like just expecting it to be one year, but as like the evidence piles up and there's like, oh, hey, he uh, he went and ate cow dicks on Serge Ibaka's cooking show. <laughs> that seems like a good sign. Uh, you know, there's like, I mean, Howard Beck wrote, wrote wrote a really good piece over the weekend with a lot of Kawhi quotes about how much he's got like freedom with Toronto and how much he likes the medical staff. And when those things creep in, it builds up the expectation a little more that he'll stay, I suppose, and makes it a little bit more depressing in the ultimate event that he does leave. But um, I still think Masai Ujiri will figure it out. He's really good at his job. Pascal Siakam becoming as good as he is also kind of helps too and sort of softens the blow if Kawhi does leave. At least you know there's something to root for next year because that, that dude is insanely fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I, I think people will pretty much be okay with it if he does leave considering all he's done. I mean, if they flame out in the second round in five games and he leaves, then maybe it's a different story, but that did not happen, uh, as I'm still processing because I still, I've seen the shot a thousand times. I've watched it every single time it's come across my timeline and I still am expecting it to just like bobble out on that second or third bounce. And it's, uh... It's ridiculous, man, and, and Kawhi will forever be linked to that moment. Uh, well, Sean, uh, I'm glad you're happy. Uh, I'll let you go bask <laughs> in it, and uh, thank you for uh, joining me ever so briefly here. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> Blake Murphy, sports writer, I'm 33. Been following them as a fan for 18 years, roughly, and professionally for six. Uh, where does last night rank in the uh, grand sports moments of your entire life? Man, it's definitely, it's definitely top three. I, uh, I wasn't at the bat flip, so that one loses uh, a little luster, but it's right there with uh, the, the Edwin Encarnacion walk-off home run, and probably the other one in the top three is when George St. Pierre won his title back at the first ever UFC event in Canada in Montreal. Um, those are probably the three, and it's hard to imagine uh, a Raptors one better than that one. If I were to remove sports from that sentence and say, where does this rank in the moments <laughs> of your life, period, does it still crack the top ten? I don't know if you've uh, if you've seen the late-night tweets that I usually send. There's not a lot going on <laughs> other than work. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, I guess maybe at that point you, you mix in Gargano and Ciampa beating the Revival in a best two out of three at TakeOver in Toronto, and otherwise the, t- the list is the same. It's just still sports stuff. So I don't know. I'm not married. I don't have kids. It's uh. It's pretty sports heavy at the top. Uh, where were you last night? I was in the media gondola at Scotiabank Arena. So up uh, kind of, I guess you'd call it the 600 level that kind of hangs over the court a little bit. And you get a nice bird's eye mid-court view. And I'm sure it was very uh, tight-laced and professional. Nobody really getting excited in there at all. People were getting excited. I, I was actually like thinking about it this morning. I'm quite surprised how calm I was and how I didn't, I didn't really react at all. It was just like, okay... <laughs> Got to get back down underneath and like it's media time and, and what am I going to write about this? Um, some people obviously had a little bit more 
emotion. I, I remembered back to the first playoff game I ever covered was the Nets series in 2014. And Amir Johnson had like a big open court dunk. And I remember like fist pumping a little bit and then kind of looking around and realizing where I was. And I guess maybe subconsciously that was in the back of my head. Uh, describe just the moment of watching that go in. I honestly, so this is another thing I was trying to think about this morning. I can't, I can't really remember like, like the shot went up and obviously I'm, I'm watching it and the ball's bouncing around, but I can't remember, you know, where, like what I was thinking or what anyone beside me was doing. Um, Holly McKenzie from Raptors.com was beside me and whoever was sitting beside me on my right hand side originally had like already gone downstairs to do some other work. So I, I was just like kind of spread out with my I'm doing something visual right now. You can't see, but I kind of had the like eric moreland on the bench of like my arms spread out a little bit because i had all this extra space um and that's pretty much it i just kind of froze there like i think everyone else did uh all the talk is around Kawhi and just how incredible he was obviously um but i feel like there's like some level of expectation to that like he could do the most ungodly things in the world or uh, rather godly things in the world because he is obviously a basketball deity as we've uh, witnessed over the last few weeks here uh but there's you know it doesn't it doesn't ever seem like a surprise in what he is able to accomplish if that makes sense right yeah it certainly doesn't seem like a surprise to him <laughs> <laughs> but but the one player that i was so impressed with last night, uh, especially in the second half, and you wrote about this in one of the numerous pieces that you wrote for The Athletic this morning, uh, was Kyle Lowry, who, you know, I, I feel like if they lost that game, probably uh, comes into the offseason with, you know, a, a bunch of, uh, of, of kind of negative talk surrounding his performance in this playoffs and, uh, and what his future is going to be for this team, but just found a way to like seize the moment and and step up huge and uh like just how how you know i i think all with all this buzz around Kawhi, how underappreciated is what lowry did last night going right now yeah i think it's i think it went pretty under the radar once uh you know that one big thing happens at the end of the game but um like there's i wrote before the game that lowry's reputation as a playoff performer and a big game performer has never like really caught up to his at what he's actually done it's just like okay he he was really bad in that series where they got swept by the Wizards and then he was pretty bad in that 2016 series against the Pacers where all the playoff Raptors jokes really started to pick up momentum because it was like a here we go again thing meanwhile in that Miami Heat series that year he was awesome and won them two games almost single-handedly uh he was their best player against the Cavs in that series he was their best player against the Cavs um, in 2018, even though obviously they got swept in that one. Best player in the series against the the Wizards last year. So um, it's never really caught up. Statistically, he's not quite the regular season performer that he that he was. Or sorry, his playoff performance doesn't quite live up to his regular season performance statistically. But he's right there in terms of counting stats and his on-off impact. And his true shooting percentage is only a couple points off. So that's never really caught up. So I wrote uh, that... that this would, you know, this could go a long way to defining or shifting the definition of, of playoff Lowry because this was a huge game and you went in not expecting Lowry to put up 25 points. It was more like, okay, this is the guy Lowry is now and he's he's a little things guy and he's a defensive hustle play guy, not a not a number two scorer. Can that help lead a team in a big game like this? And I think you saw that between a couple of huge offensive rebounds, coming up with a strip of Ben Simmons underneath his own basket, um, coming up with that steal 
uh, on Tobias Harris uh, when the ball kind of swung around late in the shot clock that set up a Siakam basket. And then even after that basket, he like corralled the ball so the Sixers couldn't push back and transition the other way. Um, he switches on to Joel Embiid and Ibaka ends, and ends up fouling on that play. But for a second there, Lowry stands up Embiid in the post. And it's all these little things. You know, he's drawn more charges in the playoffs than all but one other team. He's had something like 37 deflections over the 12 games. Um, he's drawn more offensive fouls total than almost any player since 2001 in a full postseason. And all these things just keep going. Um, and they're all these little Lowry things. And yeah, his three-point shot is really inconsistent now. And he doesn't really have 35 or even 25-point scoring punch anymore. But I think you saw in that game how much all those little things matter when every possession and every second on the shot clock matters the most. Those are kind of the the areas that Lowry really exists and thrives in. Uh, speaking of little things, I think when you come off such a big moment like the winning basket last night, it's easy to forget um, what a weird series that was overall in terms of <laughs> just kind of – there weren't really any close games save for – uh, you know, last night and maybe one other on top of that, it seemed like every team was just, you know, having off nights all the time. Is that like just, I mean, how how do you explain how the series went for them? And is that going to cost them against the Bucks going forward? Yeah, it, that, that's the tough part, right? Is like this series, I had trouble figuring out what to expect from game seven. Not because, you know, I, I was, people were asking me before the game and I was like, well, I feel the exact same way I felt about this series entering it, that the both teams are pretty good, that the Raptors are a little better, and I expect the Raptors to win, but, you know, it's close enough that who knows. Uh, the fact that there were four blowouts in the first six games and each team kind of no-showed twice made it even more difficult to know what to expect in a Game 7. I'm very glad it went down that way. Uh, the Raptors against the Bucks, so yeah, they've got to be a lot better. You can't shoot 32% on wide-open threes because the Bucks are going to give them to you, and the Bucks are going to shoot a ton of threes themselves. So you're going to have to hit those to keep up. Um, you know, Kawhi Leonard's maybe going to see fewer traps, but those guys around him still have to make plays and knock down shots if he kicks it out and get him in positions to succeed. Uh, Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka are going to have all the shots they can handle uh, the way the Bucks defend pick and roll. So they're going to have to, to come through with that kind of stuff too. So uh, as fun as Game 7 was... And as good as the Raptors were at times in that series, especially defensively, the offense has to reach another level the next round. Oh, Blake, my last question for you. I remember feeling at the end of last year after they got eliminated and it seemed like all these contracts are locked in, the coach is locked in, it's going to be difficult to make any sort of changes. With the season that they just had, how does anyone feel invested in coming back for next season, which is, of course, the season that we are enjoying <laughs> right now? Uh, at this point, they're still in it, but it's almost the opposite, right? Like, does it even matter what happens from here, or is everybody satisfied with the ride that they've got so far? Look, I think when you acquired Kawhi Leonard, that's a huge risk. And, and trading away DeMar DeRozan and moving on from Dwayne Casey – you know, it, there there's always nuance and context to all of these things to where you couldn't really be like, well, if the Raptors get bounced in the second round, it was a failure. However, you know, if you do all those things and you take all those risks and you change who you are to get back to the exact same pl place that you've gotten knocked out all these other times, uh, I think it would have looked a lot worse. Now they've gotten back to the place that they've only gotten once before. Um, you could, you know, some people might say that it's finals or bust in terms of whether that trade was worth it because they'd gotten this far with DeRozan too. But no one thought the Raptors had any chance against the Cavs. That that six-game series was a gentlemanly six-game series uh, with only really one game where it was like, holy hell, the Raptors really 
you know, took it to the Cavs and stole that one. So I think they've gotten to a point where everyone understands the trade. Everyone knows why they made it. Um, everyone can appreciate that, you know, they probably needed to to be this good this year. Uh, now, if they come out and get swept by the Bucks and they're punked, you know, I, I know some people will still have Game 7 and the winner to make them feel better, and that'll be a victory for them. Uh, it'll probably look and feel a little differently if they go seven and lose or obviously if they make it to the finals uh, the one thing i think is on the line still in a meaningful way well sorry the one thing that's really on the line is that you know there's, there's a chance to compete for a championship and obviously that matters and those opportunities are so rare but the other thing is you know you still don't know what Kawhi leonard's thinking and part of your pitch to him your pitch to him is basically going to be three-pronged one is we can offer you more money Two is we have your trust now from a medical perspective and an on-court perspective. And the third part of that has to be you can win titles here. The closer, and, and I'm talking like every game closer the Raptors can get to that, the more earnestly they can make that case of you can win a title here and this is where you can compete. So I think that kind of stuff is still very much on the line here. One final question, one word answer, does he stay? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> All right. Well, shrug. Shrug is my one word answer. <laughs> we will see. Uh, Blake Murphy, people can find your stuff on The Athletic. You are as good as it gets as far as following this team. Uh, appreciate uh, all the work that you do all year long and appreciate you taking the time to talk to me right now. Thanks for having me on, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Max Kerman, and I sing in the band Arkells. I'm 32 years old, and I've been a fan since the very beginning. My, uh, my favorite player was Damon Stoudemire growing up, and then Vince Carter. Where were you last night? I was in the house. I uh, was lucky enough to be invited uh, to a suite. I was um, Our label president, Jeffrey Remedius, uh, asked if I, if I wanted to come, and our manager, Ashley, joined me. Um, in the box, uh, Jimmy Shaw from Metric was there. Uh, Kaiza, uh, I was sitting next to her uh, most of the night. Our, our booking agent, Jack Ross, it was, it was a good hang. It's a lot of Raptors fans. Uh, uh, I, th I think our label had uh, picked the, the biggest Raptors fans on the roster. Now, I know that you're a huge fan. So what's your mood like in a Game 7 scenario like that? Are you allowing yourself to feel hope or is the kind of pessimistic Toronto sports fan uh, feeling that this is all going to end badly creeping in in, in, a, in a Game 7 situation. Yeah, when Kawhi missed the free throw and Philly tied it up, I think there was a part of me, and probably everybody in the, in the building, uh, that thought it wasn't going to go our way. Like I think we were all used to heartbreak, and so nobody was going to be surprised if the, game, if the game in regulation ended in a tie and then we lost in overtime. But I will say this. The, Compared to other teams and other Raptors rosters we've had in the past, I was a l weirdly uh, self-assured because we have Kawhi. Like, he uh, is such a calming presence for a Raptors fan. I feel like there's a real adult in the room when he's on the court. <laughs> so I, so, so I, was, I didn't think it was going to go our way, but I had a little bit more hope than normal. All right, so let's let's focus in on that final minute. They have a four-point lead. They they lose it, obviously. Butler ties things up late. What's your mood like then? Is are, are you uh, you know are you still feeling optimistic? Is the Kawhi confidence still enough to to tide you over there? No, I mean I think everybody in the building gets a little tightens up a bit, and everybody gets a little quieter. But Kawhi uh, has hit big shots for us this season. Uh, I feel like. 
Nick Nurse has has the confidence of most Raptors fans, and and also the fact that you know we have professionals like Mark Gasol on the court and Kyle Lowry and, and guys that have been in this position before made me feel a little bit better. Do you remember where you were 18 years ago for the Vince shot? Oh, I must have been watching it at home. You know, my, my first email address was Vince underscore Kerman at Hotmail.com. Um, and I am a huge Vince Carter fan and a massive Raptors fan. So I, I, I would have been watching it at home in, in heartbreak. <laughs> and that did that heartbreak uh, kind of uh, stay with you over the years? Or or do you just are you in the thrill of the moment uh, with the with the raps year to year? Um, I try not to let myself be too much of an emotional sports fan, but because I know if I start to dig in and think about it a little too much, I'm setting myself up for disappointment. Um, you know, I, I feel like with the Raptors, you know, and as a Toronto sports fan in general, we have been primed for failure. <laughs> we haven't had that many great moments. Like the last, like, truly great moment was when I was seven years old with Joe Carter hitting the home run to win the World Series. So it's been a while. I'm 32 now. So, yeah, I was not feeling uh, yeah, that confident. All right, let's focus in now on the shot itself. You know, time ticking down. Uh, it, it leaves his hands. What's the mood like in the box right then in that moment? Well, uh, our manager, Ashley, happened to be filming it, and I was in front of her in, in the suite. So you can kind of see what happens in the way I react. I, I was standing next to a fella who is a music manager, and we had a great hang. He's a big basketball fan. He grew up in Toronto. He knows Tristan Thompson. He, kn he knows uh, Rich Paul. I was picking his brain the whole night. Really the knowledgeable guy. Um, but when the shot went up and it hit the front rim, or the side rim, I should say, you can see in the video, he looks away and he gives up on the play. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, obviously half a second later, it rattles around and falls through. And like, I can't remember the kind of last time I felt that amount of jubilation. Like, you know, we won a couple Juno Awards this year. And I, I think I reacted with more enthusiasm to the game winner than any award the Arkells have ever gotten. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you've you've had some some pretty sweet moments yourself, uh, you know, involving sports. Uh, the last Olympics you guys had over there and playing Canada House, I'm sure, was a real special moment for you. Uh, where does this rank, kind of, in the I, I'll say sports moments of your life, and then just the grand moments of your life in general? Because you sure seemed happy, I tell you that. Yeah, well, I was I was talking about with my pals today um, about like the top three sports moments in Toronto history would be. Joe Carter, number one, and then that night I was at a sleepover. It was my first sleepover, and I was up, like, it was after, it was, like, late, too. We stayed up to, like, midnight as, like, a seven-year-old, which is a big deal. <laughs> I remember that. Um, when Joey Bats uh, hit the home run with the famous bat flip, we were in the studio making morning report. Yeah, we were making morning report. And I, I was doing a guitar take, but we had the TV on in the studio, and, like, in the middle of the take, when when uh, Jose Batista hit the home run, I, like, dropped the guitar and I started dancing around the studio. So I remember that. <laughs> and, uh, of course, I was, I was in the building uh, for the shot, Kawhi's shot. Um, but I, 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 it's got to be number two. I think it's ahead of Joey Bats, but it's, can't, I don't think anything can beat Joe Carter, at least at this point. All right, Max. Uh, you know, I, I, one last question for you. Does it matter what happens next, or is this moment so sweet that uh, it's enough no matter what? 
who I mean, I think every everyone gets a little greedy, and so of course you want to keep going. But I will say, like the amount of joy that uh, Kawhi has given the Raptors over the last, or given this, you know, the country of Canada over the last few days, uh, is something that I feel we're all indebted him uh, to him uh, for. You know, he like the last. I've just been floating for the last few days. Uh, I went out after the game, even though I had to kind of catch a very early flight the next morning. But I was like, we have to celebrate. We're ordering bottles of champagne at an Earl's around the corner. <laughs> uh, like we're like we were acting as if we had just won the championship and we had done all the work. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, it was a pretty special night. Uh, and the other cool thing is that you know basketball more than hockey for sure is a really uh you know north american sport it's not not as canadian uh, as, as as hockey is so the fact that we're sort of like the the talk of the league right now uh, as a basketball fan i'm pretty pumped about all right max thank you so much man i really appreciate you taking the time all right bye <laughs> andrew zuber uh co-host of sportsfeld and digital producer for yahoo sports canada 33 and a half years old and i've a1 since day one. I remember the uh, 1995 beating the Bulls. So been around since uh, since it's been ground up. Where were you last night? I was at home alone. I am not the kind of person that likes to watch big games in groups. I like to be in my house so that if things go wrong, I can just turn off the TV and smoke weed. Does that make sense? <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Now, <laughs> when things go right, do you regret that strategy? No, I don't. Cause you, um, I like to be online. You know, I like to get my tweets off. I like to go all cap tweets. Uh, I, one of the games in the Magic series, Jake, my co-host on Sportsfeld, got me out to a bar to watch, and I did not love the experience. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Just like compounding anxiety, being around that many Just, people at the same time is feeling the intense emotions about something insanely stupid. Yeah, there's there's too many like. Um, I watched the Blue Jays uh, game six of the 2015 ALCS. When that run came to an end, I was at a bar. And I had a triple-digit bar bill. So they lost. They got eliminated. I had to pay my bill and walk home in total silence without saying a word. So I, I, that was sort of like, I don't want to do this again. So I, I like to watch at home, control the environment with my dog and my snacks. Um, no regrets. A great moment happens. You know, I'll say this. Uh, one of the small joys of living in a big city apartment complex is the ambient hooting and hollering during a big sporting event. I don't know if you're an apartment guy. I am. But when you when you can just hear, like, random people going nuts in their apartments in your building, I think that's the coolest thing in the world. So, well, let me no do regrets. You, let me do you one better on that. I live right next to Rogers Arena. If I tilt my laptop right now, you'll be able to see it. So we, awesome. can, we can hear the goal horn go off 10 so seconds cool. before it happens. That's so cool. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, I've never gotten to experience it personally because I've produced every home game for radio the entire time I've lived here. But um, Absolutely right. Yeah, maybe if things go wrong for me professionally, they'll start going <laughs> right for me personally. We'll see. But uh, No, that's that's part of the game. If you were to ask me where I was for pretty much every important moment of the last 12 years the answer is at work so uh so lights off or what what are you are you full on you just anticipating sadness every step of the way no uh here's the thing because basketball is a, it, basketball is different right it's not like like with hockey 
right? You can give up two goals in the first period and it's over, right? You're never really close, right? Like this Leafs game seven this year was the great example of it never really felt like they were going to threaten. Whereas basketball, I am, I'm not the type to get hyped for anything that happens in the first or second quarter. Like midway through the third is when it becomes now we sort of know what this game is. And the Sixers went on like a 16-0 run in the middle of the third. So that really brought it up. Um, I was pacing. I don't know how you could not be pacing in the last five minutes. Um, lights on. I try to keep it. I try to and Jake will attest to this, I try to get the balance between like really presenting myself as none of this bothers me and I'm really, really calm. So part of that is like I overdo it to like this is just so normal that I like don't even, I'm not even phased. Uh, so it was it was lights on, uh, chips and guac, uh, <laughs> taking the dog out, like very much like what I, oh, just another game. Uh, but when it got down to brass tacks, uh, that was nerves. Like, man, when Jimmy Butler... After Kawhi missed the second free throw to make it uh, 90-88, and Jimmy Butler took that ball and went the length of the floor and scored, like, so easily. I was like, oh, my God. If that had gone to OT, they would have lost. You can book me on that. Um, describe the the moment, then, of that. Uh, before we even talk about it going in, uh-huh. just, just watching him get the shot off. You know, uh, I, I, thought it, I thought it was a brick, for sure. I mean, out of the hand. It's such a tough shot. He, you know, he he, he has the, the tough double there because they, they sort of hedge double him. Ben Simmons is an elite wing defender. And Simmons hedges off and pushes him into Embiid, who has been excellent defensively the whole series. He really helped shut down Siakam on drives. When Embiid got up and got the hand, I was like, well, that's a seven-footer uh, running full jump. Embiid left everything on the floor. He had to shoot it so high that I thought it was going to come up short because he, he even mentioned that there was a similar play earlier in that quarter that he airballed. Uh, and that's what I thought. I was like, oh, that, that's short. And literally, the, when does the ball ever hit front iron and go in? Ever from that angle. So in the air, I was like, that's well short. And I'm worried because they're going to lose an OT. Uh, second bounce, uh, unbelievable. The second bounce, I couldn't believe. And then... You know, we're sort of conditioned. I assumed the second bounce was going to bounce over the other side. Because, like, an inch shorter, and yeah. that ball is short. An inch longer, and the ball is long. Well, not even an like, inch, man. Like, we're talking fractions of an inch. Anything. Here. Yeah. Any, any, if, that, if the first bounce is any further towards the middle of the hoop, that it's one bounce and over. So, I've never seen a ball bounce like that. The phantom cam from the end where you see it, and the angle from behind the net as well where you see that first shot where the it hitting the rim the way it did changes it from backspin to topspin like unbelievable un, un, the most unbelievable play I, I've seen uh, in Raptors history not even, it's not even close you mentioned you've been A1 since day one do you remember where you were 18 years ago for the Vince shot yes I was in my dad's uh, I was in my dad's place and alone as dejected. well similar I was with, with my dad but yeah um, you know the, the thing about that was it was bad. Obviously, it was heartbreaking, but we we didn't know any better, right? It was the first. It was the first sort of like we didn't know they were about to fall apart. In in my eyes, it was very much um, this is the beginning of of a good thing. So I wasn't too heartbroken in two thousand. Had I known what was coming, uh, I probably would have been more sad. But in my head. You know they were only going to get better. They, it was only going to be a better team. They had they had finally really 
had a good year. They were above 500. They won a series when they beat the Knicks. So I was like, they're coming back, and it's going to be next year's going to be more of the same. And then it just it never really happened again. So uh, happy that that's vanquished. Uh, the parallels are unbelievable. It's uh, we know it's been said. I'm sure somebody's probably already said it on on your show here, but like the way that ball, like the way that ball bounced, is like that's a movie. It's television. It's like it's so cheesy that you wouldn't believe it if it happened in a movie. So for it to be a similar shot against the same team to play the same team in the semis and for it to go in with those bounces is like, it, it's, it's all anybody I've talked to has talked about for the last like 19 hours straight. And it's the only thing like it's, it's insane. It's the only thing anybody's watching and talking about and for good reason. Well, my favorite part is the, the, the pictures uh, of, of him that are like so intensely focused on Kawhi that you don't even see the basket or the ball at all. And it's just yeah. his facial expression watching it go up. He's, you know, got one eye closed and cocked his tongue out a little bit. And it's like he's, you know, Jedi mind tricking it almost. He's unbelie- like yeah. using his yeah. brain after the fact to, to, uh, curve the bullet as it were it's, <laughs> yeah it's, totally it's it's insane man um they they blow a four-point lead in the final minute uh are you still hopeful the entire time or do you let that the toronto pessimism creep in uh the jimmy butler game time bucket i thought i thought that was it i thought um because when they were up four i was like okay this is be they're gonna work this out possession to possession and they'll do it and then he misses the free throw if you re if this has sort of gotten lost on the butler play is he runs the court with Redick, and Redick peels off. I thought he was going to kick that out to J.J. Redick for a three in the lead. I was literally mentally prepared for that to be a three in the lead. So when he did a layup to tie it, I was almost relieved. I was like, oh, wow, I thought they were going to go for the win there. Um, but I thought that was a brick for sure. Um, and I, and I, I'm still, I still maintain if that had gone to overtime, they probably would have lost that game because they looked pretty out of breath. But... A miracle, just an absolute miracle. It, less so Raptors pessimism and more so it just felt like the tide of the game had slipped away from them. Uh, does it matter what happens here uh, going forward or is just getting this moment enough? You know, the parallel that I've been drawing and hearing a lot of is, is sort of the Batista bat flip where they didn't win the World Series, but they got a, we, got, we got a moment out of that that nobody else, like the seventh inning of that game, nobody else has ever experienced. So a team wins the World Series every year, but no team has ever gone through the seventh inning before. Um, I think all this shot can do is grow. Like, if they beat the Bucks, then this shot is twice as big as it is now. Um, and I think it's 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 easy to get caught up in the recency of it and in the, like, I was immediately, like, oh, the, the Bucks, it's, it's wraps and set now over the Bucks because they had the momentum and, it's, and it, they needed to get that hump and the Bucks haven't been tested. I think... It diminishes a little bit if they get, say they get swept and he leaves, sure. Uh, but as of right now, it's the biggest moment in franchise history and Kawhi Leonard's front and center. And, you know, people get caught up in, in ranking and things like that, but that moment is never taken away from you. you you're never, the, the, the two seconds where that ball, literally the two literal full seconds where that ball was bouncing around the rim, no one will ever take that feeling away from you. So I'm I'm of the believer that like this positivity here in the moment that is transcending all people that saw it um, 
is a big enough thing that it's still a success. It's still going to be a big play. It's still the biggest moment in franchise history, even if they lose to the Bucks. If he leaves, you just kind of touched on it there. Do you think there's any resentment around that, or are people just so appreciative of the elation of this moment and the just pure joy of this entire season? The hard, the, like the most hardcore Raptors fans I know are so elated by that because there's so many. Like going into the game, there was so much that was that was said to be on the line. Like people were saying, if they lose this game, Kawhi is definitely leaving. If they lose this game, they might lose Masai. If they lose this game, Kyle Lowry's legacy is ruined. So when you got Barkley saying, if if Kawhi leaves, basketball is done in Toronto. Right. All the, and and he, that wasn't an isolated opinion. Like people who love the team and are really staunch positive optimists here felt that same way. So I think just staving off those feelings and just like, you can't go enough about how people who have, the, the, the losses that the Raptors have taken in the playoffs have always been, like, they don't just lose, they get punked, right? Like, Paul Pierce punked us twice. LeBron never took us seriously. So, to have the best player on the floor for a series and to have it come down to those isolated moments and having the best guy make the best play has already done so much that I don't think you'll see resentment no matter what. I mean, you, you can't be a big enough fan to resent him, but not big enough that you don't see that money, nothing this would have happened. Like they wouldn't have beat the Sixers without him. So uh, I don't think you'll see the resentment. I think just for this moment alone, people will be grateful. One last question for you, Zoobs. Uh, he, it, it was during Game 6, so he had to unfortunately miss it. But do you think, uh, overall, as he looks back on this year, it was worth it for Boban Marjanovic to <laughs> miss the world premiere of John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum <laughs> in order to be murdered by Kawhi Leonard? He was a brutal minus in the series, too. So I think probably you only get one chance at John Wick. He'll be a seven-footer forever. You only get one John Wick three. So I think that's a regret on his end for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zoops. Thank you so much. Uh, and like you said, people can find you on Sportsfeld. They can find your stuff on uh, Yahoo Sports Canada. It has been such a treat, dude, to watch you get all of these on-camera opportunities there and just uh, just see you pumping out this hilarious content and absolutely fucking killing it, man. I, I, oh, I love thank it. you so much. You, you'll love to see it, quite literally. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. I'll do my best to keep it up. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. <laughs> Josh Custodio, bartender, 30 years of age and maybe five, four or five months. So this is your first season as a fan of the Big Orange Ball. That is exactly correct. And what made you choose the Raptors as your team other than just like Canadian convenience? Well, this is, a, this is a great question, and thanks for having me on, JMO. I, so the, the reason is mostly peer pressure, I suppose, because I, I like getting into things, and I sort of think, oh, okay, what am I, I going to get into? So many people I like, and, and some crossover with, with the wrestling world, they like not only the NBA, not only basketball, they like the Toronto Raptors. So mostly it has something to bullshit with my friends about. This is, it's exactly, you know, a, a lot of our Twitter friends happen to be in Toronto, and exactly I remember right. last year when you were trying to get into hockey, you were being pressured to become a Leafs fan as well, which, yeah. thank God that has not solidified <laughs> yet. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, as, just as one, one season into your fan, uh, fandom, you don't really have the full picture of appreciation, but I will still ask you, first of all, where were you last night? 
Well, th- this is fun. So I was sitting in, uh, as you know, Jamo, my home, Studio Beard House 5, a wonderful apartment here in Vancouver, Canada. And I'm watching the game. I've had a nice Mother's Day with my family. And I'm here sitting alone at home, watching the fourth quarter, three minutes left in the game. And I am, I am riveted, right? It's a very back and forth game. Buzz, somebody's at my door. It's my neighbor and dear friend. One Matt Prince shows up to watch this last couple minutes with me. And uh, just describe the, the – I mean, let's start with the final minute because the Raps are up four. Yeah. They, they blow the lead. And I know that you're, you're too new to it to, to be kind of um, you know, beaten down over the years to instantly think everything's going to go wrong. But maybe that's just a human nature thing, and it's not something that life instills in us uh, by watching <laughs> sports over the course of several decades. Maybe it's entirely natural to think nothing is ever going to go your way. What are you thinking, uh, let's say, with 20 seconds to go? Well, I'm not having fun anymore. That's for sure. The fun has left the building minutes before. It is pure anxiety, pure stress. And although I have not been on the the, the long, arduous, no-winning wagon, I cheer for almost exclusively losing properties, not only on the scorefront, but on the the back office sense. You look at the white caps. You look at sporting. You look at the fighters and wrestlers I cheer for. None of them are good or champions. (laughs) This is my life. So I was fully expecting things to go wrong. So Kawhi gets the shot off. My God. Before it even goes in, let's talk about not even before – before it even hits the rim, while it's in midair – Describe the feeling in that room. Now, Jamo, you've had other great people on the show today who know basketball much better than I do, and I'm sure they, they may have had takes all over the place, known more what a shot that's going in looks like. I was so sure this shot was not going in. Something about the way the camera was, or, or the way, I, I was like, oh, that, I, it left his hand, I was like, oh, it's overtime. We're going to overtime. I mean, Those were my thoughts. It's an impossible angle. You're not wrong at all, really. Like, there, there's, oh, there's no way that that should have, you know, in, any way you look at it, like, there's, it doesn't seem like this is a possibility, and then even, it hits the rim. It starts bouncing. Oh. Oh, my Lord. We're, we're conditioned to think that it, that'll just bounce off the rim and stay out. How are you feeling in those moments? I mean, you're talking about it right now, and I'm getting, like, stress build-up anxiety once more, as if, as if I'm watching the game right now. Yeah, I mean, those bounces. I watch a lot. I'm a content guy. I like watching things. It's mm-hmm. true of me. This was – those bounces were about as riveting as anything I can remember seeing. I mean, Maddie and I are sitting here in silence, laser-focused, on this hoop and ball the bounces. And again, I don't have the context for if these normally go in or not. But I'm thinking there's no way. And, and do you know how many times it bounces? What, four or five times it bounces? Four maybe? times. Four times and then. I mean, each one of those feels like a micro heart attack to me. It's, I, too, I, it's so, so intense. It's two full seconds and it, it could have been two hours. It felt like two hours. That's what, It absolutely did. Unbelievable! It's just something to watch, you know. You you watch a lot of things, and be it fiction or sports or whatever it is, you know. You just want to feel something in this hell world, right? And boy, I I got a I fit a whole lot of limit into those two seconds. Uh, I know you're a young man, but you do have gray hair. Uh, <laughs> That's true. Did you have black hair before the shot went up? <laughs> well, I would like to tell you that even one was left on my head to go gray, but unfortunately, I think I'm a couple years past that point.
Just looking like an old man, world weary, watching my ancient raptors. Now you old as a dinosaur, you might say. You have been extremely committed to this team all year long. This is not like you're casually getting into basketball. This is no, no. I mean, describe your fandom because I do feel like you've watched a a grand percentage of the games this season. Yeah, I I think I think something that is uh, true of me and certainly JMO. There's some people who are listening right now because you and I have a, a wrestling podcast together, and they will know this about me. That I, I am a maniac. When I when I decide to get into something, I go in, you know, I, I drink it in, man. And so yeah, I think I've probably seen over the last four months because even even at the bar, even if I'm at work, it's on. So if that counts as watching, I think I've probably only missed maybe a handful of games, yeah. And, you know, even as a new fan, you're still, as you said, a longtime sports fan, somebody who has context coming from all different kinds of, uh, you know, athletic pursuits, whether that's fighting or, uh, you know, pro wrestling, as you and I enjoy together. You're a big soccer, soccer guy as well. Yeah. Where does this moment rank among the, the grand uh, sporting <laughs> moments of your entire life? Well, well, here's the problem, Jayma. I, I, you know this moment, too. I'm so easily swept up into things. Mm-hmm. So if you would have asked me yesterday in the moment, where does it rank? I would have just said number one, no problem. I think I have to put it behind uh, Adair's goal uh, to win the, the Euros for Portugal a couple a couple years back, the, the Euro Cup. But I think it's in the number two spot. In, just in terms of like, and it shares this with the Adair goal. It's so unlikely. At least this was Kawhi. At least this was the guy who was going to do it. But but in that spot, so difficult, similar to Adair. So I think it has to have like a an underdog overcoming something feel for it for me to have that. But I mean, listen, if you were going to book a better goal than this, could you do it? I mean, buzzer beater game seven from Kawhi Leonard with the bouncing. I mean, it's like it's like it's scripted. It's unbelievable. Fa- Way up there. Probably f- number two. A fadeaway jumper that, like, he, he ends up out of bounds on the shot, basically. Like, yeah, it's... it's <laughs> the squat? What are we talking about here? It might be number one. I'm talking myself into it. And I know that you're a guy who gets fired up about, like, the UFC events on a weekly basis. Like, not even just the big pay-per-view shows. You love oh. the fights, bud. Yeah, I do. I uh, truly do. So, so to put that right up top, like, I want people to have, like, a full picture of just how many things this is beating to earn its oh. place in your ranking. It's beating something reasonably big every week of my life. I mean, that's be it be it wrestling or MMA. There's, those are both big moment sports that are sort of selling stars and moments, so it leads to those. Uh, please don't at me about pro wrestling being a sport. <laughs> it, but yeah, I, I mean, it's it's hard to argue, man. Again, if you if you created a checklist of what you'd want to see on something that would have impact to you, doesn't that goal have have a great deal of them? Yeah. No, it's it's it's. It's everything, and the fact that it's a buzzer-beating game winner as well, right? Like, we've been comparing it to uh, the Jose Batista bat flip from a couple years oh, ago. Sure. And, like, that's a seventh-inning moment where they still have two to go and they need to close out that game. It winds up being the winning play, but you don't get that moment. It's not like that was a walk-off home run. Like, no, I mean, this, this, who, who was, I mean, this demolishes the bat flip, doesn't it? Flipping a bat around? G- give me an hour. I can flip a bat around. I could never make that shot last night. The bat flip, please. Doesn't make my top 400 the bat flip. Uh. <laughs> All right, bud. Uh, One last question for you. I've been asking everybody, you know, what's your belief heading into this Bucks series? And honestly, does it even matter what happens next after getting just this moment already? 
yes, it does matter very much what happens next, I feel like. I, I feel like this will almost, it won't age poorly, we'll always have the moment, but imagine, imagine the, the gravita if, if they go on to, to beat the Bucks and win the, I mean, it would be unbelievable. This would be the moment where, where it's solidified to me, right? So no, I, I, I feel like in order for this to have to be the moment that it deserves, they have to go on to some success. Now, here's the nice thing about me: I don't know anything about the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, but they seem uh, like I can easily make fun of their name, which is something I like in an opposing team. So, uh, how they're going to do in the series? Uh, Raps are going to sweep them, no doubt about it. You heard it here first. <laughs> right, but well, uh, before I let you go, because I know you got beers to pour, I appreciate you taking the time. I no just, problem. I just want to say I had you on the show four or five months ago now to talk about uh, MMA and, and combat sports. And how did we end that show? You talked about your love of the big orange ball. I said, maybe someday oh. down the line, I'll get you on here to be a basketball analyst. And then I <laughs> laughed in your face and told you that would never, ever happen. And look at us. Look, look at me here. Breaking down the big orange ball for the people. <laughs> You'll love to see it, Josh. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, man. man. Have a great day, brother. You too. <laughs> Rob Rousseau, uh, writer and podcast host. I'm in my mid-30s, and I've been following the team ever since they they became a team. I, like, they, they really became my team kind of later on, but because uh, I've, been, I've been watching the NBA for a very long time, so... Uh, but yeah, I've been I've been following the the team for since they've since their inception. Where were you last night? I was in my living room. Uh, I was very very stressed the whole day, and like I had a few friends that were going out to watch the game, and I just didn't think I could. I had other stuff going on, so I kind of was was stuck at home. But I even if I didn't, I think I would just I needed to be like by myself to be in my emotions. And uh, so I, I, yeah, I was at home in my living room. What's the what's the mood in the room like throughout most of the game? And we'll get to the final minute in a second here. But like, are you? Is it kind of a snacks thing? Are you got the beers flowing, or are you just you know under the covers, lights out, sort of head in your hands the entire time? No, I'd had a I'd had a barbecue earlier, so I I wasn't snacking a lot. Uh, I was like I said, I was very very nervous. Uh, I had a, had a really kind of bad feeling throughout the game because while they, they were getting lots of stops and they looked really great on the defensive end, just could not buy a shot. And I thought, you know, after the first, like, they should be up 15 points. And the fact that it was still a close game, despite the fact that they were getting lots of turnovers and offensive rebounds and, and stops. So uh, this end, Kawhi Leonard, who's been just absolutely spectacular the whole series, was not very efficient. Was missing a lot of shots that normally he's going to make, so I was just I was kind of hard in my mouth the whole time. My son like as soon as he sees me like looking at something, he just wants to like jump on me and like and mess with me. So that that fortunately that gave me a little bit of like a respite from just just being like just a complete insufferable asshole the whole time. How old is your son? He's three. Okay, and is he has he gotten into uh, the raps with you at all, or is he too young for for that well, to he, stick at all? Yeah, he's he's a little young for it, but he he likes watching it with me. Like he knows pretty much that like <laughs> like when it's getting close to his bedtime, like he's that's the only TV that's going to be allowed to be 
being watched at you know that around that time those are daddy's stress hours yeah exactly so it's like he's sometimes sometimes towards the end of the season you would even ask for it like he'd be like in getting his pajamas you'd be like basketball game uh because he knows that like that's i'm not going to put him on like you know one of his shows or peppa pig or anything but he, he knows that if basketball's on you can watch that with me so is he with you uh in the final minutes last night or has he gone to bed at that point he, he passed out on the sofa so he's so he's with you but he's he's not he was a Sleep. Yeah. He was asleep a few feet away from me. Yeah. Okay, okay. So are you are you yelling at all during the game, or are you kind of conscious that you have a sleeping child right there with you? I was conscious of it, and I was just – I was standing up about three feet away from my TV, just kind of rocking back and forth. Yeah, I was I, I was aware – you know, I was, wasn't being too uh, emotional either way, but uh, I was just extremely nervous. That was, I would have been that way no matter what the circumstances were because I was just extremely nervous – uh, really, especially getting towards the end of the game, just my heart completely. I could look down at my shirt and see my heart pounding like through my shirt. Um, that's how like anxious I was. And my wife was just kind of like, she was there too. Just kind of like, she doesn't really watch basketball. Just was kind of like looking at me going like, Jesus, like what? <laughs> are you okay? Like, All right. So wraps her up four in the final minute. That lead evaporates. Where's your head at at that point? Is pessimism creeping in? Do you feel faith in that you have the best player on the court, which is not something the Raptors have really been able to say in series like this in the past? Like, where are you at mentally as this becomes a tie game again? Oh, well, there there is definitely a feeling of here we go again, right? Because we've been in that situation before. Like, I think it's a kind of magical thing about this moment is if you've been watching this team for a long time, you're so used to being on the opposite end of these moments that it just, it, it, there's this kind of sense in, of inevitability that sets in. I was extremely nervous. And I, I, th- I mean, when we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, right. And we talked about, yeah. this is kind of right after the Marcus Gasol trade. And what did I say at that time? I said, of course, it's painful to lose beloved players like DeRozan, like Jonas Valanciunas or some of the bench guys, DeLon Wright. But yeah. this is exactly why you make those trades for these exact moments that you have personnel that you can lean on in those situations in a high pressure moment like that. Um, so I, I did feel that like, you know, there's a couple seconds left on the clock. We've got one of the best, one of the top probably three players in basketball, you know, that at least we can say that we've we're they're in a position where they can, they're, it's not just going to be a standard Raptors collapse. You know? yeah. it's like they've got a chance to do it. It is funny that you bring that up, though, because we did talk about that a couple weeks ago, and uh, I guess it's a couple months ago now, but regardless, um, I did find myself thinking during that pure kind of party elation, not just like in everyone watching it, but like on TV, everybody, the players on the court, everybody just, you know, the pure elation of winning a series like that the way that they did it at home, I did find myself having the thoughts creeping in of like, man, I wish Valanchunas was here to be a part of this because it like when you're such a big piece of the team for so long, like it feels like you deserve to be there, but you're bang on correct. Like this is, this is why. So you have the guys to make things go differently than they have in the past. And I mean, it's a shame, but it's also like that's that's sports, right? Yeah, and and Jonas has had some success against the Sixers and against Embiid specifically this year. But Marcus All, the job he did defensively on Embiid, one of the best players in the in basketball. 
who has just been at, who was completely dominant this this season and had one really really dominant game. But still, I think I think he averaged 17 a game this series. He shot like 32 percent from the field. Like th- there's, I don't think there's any way with Jonas Valanciunas as your your main matchup against Embiid in that situation that that Embiid gets shut down to that extent. Uh, that's why you bring in a former defensive player in the year in Gasol. That's the exact reason, so he can match up with um, Embiid in that exact scenario. And in the first round with Vucevic, Vucevic was an incredible All Star year, incredible player, completely invisible in the first round. That's because of Mark Gasol. Like, that's exactly why they needed to bring him in. And no, no disrespect to Valanciunas, is a wonderful player, was one of my favorite Raptors ever. But like, that's why you make those tough decisions. Um, and bring in a player of that caliber for the, for these exact c- scenarios. Uh, before we even get to the shot itself, uh, let's go back 18 years. You said you've been following this team the entire time that they have existed. Where are you in 2001? Do you remember your experience watching that shot from Vince? Yeah, I was I, I was watching the game with a bunch of my pals, my basketball friends in Brockville, Ontario, um, where I grew up. And, uh, you know, I played basketball, high school basketball, and I was very, you know, I was very into it at that time, the NBA. And uh, to be honest, though, I was rooting for the Sixers in that series, the Vince series. Um, I I loved Allen Iverson. He was probably my favorite player at that time. Mm -hmm. I really, really hated the Lakers. And I really want, this is when the Lakers were extremely dominant. They were in the midst of their their big three-peat with uh, Shaq and Kobe. Absolutely. So I despised the Lakers. I really, really wanted to see Allen Iverson go up against uh, the Lakers in the NBA Finals. And I had also kind of turned against Vince at that time. Um, Because, you know, I started watching in sort of the Jordan era. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess maybe I got a little... I thought some of the the sort of people comparing Vince to Jordan was a little bit uh, presumptuous. I didn't think he was quite there yet. I thought like he was... like in the way that Jordan never was, Vince was very like soft. Like I remember he, you know, gets whacked in the face lightly and he'd be down on the court for five minutes, which is something that Jordan just would never do. Uh, and I just kind of hated Vince Carter <laughs> inexplicably. Um, so I, I was, I was really excited at that time for, for Iverson and for the Sixers. So I didn't really feel that kind of painful, like catharsis from, from the 18 years because I, I, I would, ne- I wasn't really, that invested in the Raptors' success at that time. Yeah, and also if you're a big basketball kid growing up, I'm sure like it's a thrill to get a franchise enter your city. Like obviously, I got that at the same time as the as the Grizzlies entered the NBA. But like it it does take time for them to become your team because you already have rooting interests. And I mean, especially if you're someone who's playing the game even at the high school level, there's I'm sure a big part of you, like you just said, who is much more deferential to players and the style that you like to watch than any given team necessarily, even though, you know, they're six years deep into being a franchise at that point. Yeah, exactly. And like when I, when I started watching the NBA, I, I I liked uh, Seattle Supersonics. Um, I liked uh, the Mavericks a lot and I loved Allen Iverson. Like he was probably, and he remains one of my all time favorite players, uh, especially around that era was just an absolute joy to watch. And uh, so, yeah, that's what I was more uh, I was more rooting for the Sixers in that series. But I've probably been a a big Raptors fan for like the last, you know, since that time, like since 
kind of Vince left and they've in that been that kind of extended rebuild. Um, the, the Bosch I, era onwards. Basically. Yeah, I kind of that's when I really gravitated towards them when they were really kind of struggling to get back to that level and kind of scratched the surface a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then these kind of narratives would always kind of come back to play in terms of not being able to bring back key free agents, not being able to, um, you know, come up with wins in those big situations. And this has kind of been the ongoing narrative with this team for over 10 years now. So that's, that's when I really got oddly enough, that's when I got really involved and went like became more of a Raptors fan and it's been a, a really long road to see the team, especially just over the last five years where of this current iteration where they've been a consistent playoff team, consistent like around 50 wins a year. And seeing them evolve from getting to that level and now trying to take that next step to be an actual like contender in the NBA. Because even you know three, four years ago, the runs were great. Had some great regular season success. Had a couple of playoff series wins. Very no likable one, players also. Yeah, yeah, very likable. But no one ever really thought this is a team that's going to contend for an NBA championship. No one thought that for one moment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, it's funny, and, though, because I, I wanted to drag you back to 18 years ago to see if that's sort of when the, uh, the, the defeatist kind of pessimism of sports fandom creeps into your mindset, and it's hilarious to hear you say, oh, I loved it, actually. I fucking hated Vince Carter. Yeah, but I still got that defeated sense because then the 76ers went on to the NBA Finals, had an incredible game one against the Lakers, one of the best all-time performances in the Finals by Allen Iverson, just as I was imagining it was going to be, and then they got the gentleman's sweep and lost the, lost to the Lakers yeah. in five. And I'm sure on some level seeing Vince miss that shot just confirms everything that you thought about the Raptors at that time too, right? Yeah, exactly. And Vince too, because like they they were really talking him up in the media as the kind of second coming of Jordan. And even when I watched Jordan, I always rooted against Jordan because it was like he was almost too good. It was yeah, like not, it was not fair. It's not fair. Yeah. So, but still, I had a, a grudging respect for him just because of seeing the things he was able to do, seeing the way he would seemingly always come up with the, the winning plays in these, in these incredibly clutch situations and never like, you know, the whole, that run of the nineties of the six championships. I mean, it just seems like he never lost. He was re- willed his teammates to always be, make the right play. He refused to, to die, refused to lose. And so even though I hated watching him always rip my heart out every, every year, I had this real respect for him. And when people were comparing Vince to Jordan, I was really like, okay, well let's slow down here. Uh, I'm not really ready to go this far. And everything that happened with Vince Carter then and afterwards kind of confirmed that to me. Yeah, and I mean, it's funny because I don't think anyone's making the direct comparison right now that, you know, Kawhi is is Jordan. Kawhi is doing exactly what you just said, willing his teammates to make the right plays and making the big plays himself to get these wins. But at the same time, even just the fact we're not even 24 24 hours removed from it, Rob, we're all calling it the shot. And there are oh, yeah. purists out there who are, you know, pushing back and saying, there's already uh, the shot. There's only one the shot. And uh, well, that was that was a five game series. And this was there's never been a buzzer beater game seven series winner ever in the history of the NBA. Not from Jordan, not from Kobe, not from Kareem, Magic, Bird. Kawhi Leonard is the only one that, to do it. And when we talk about comparing comparing people to Jordan, part of what the the mystique of Jordan is those six championships, right? So yeah. that that's six Finals MVPs on top of that. 
So no one, like you can make comparisons to people, but ultimately that's when we make that comparison. That's why people kind of scoff at it because it's a, it's about a sustained level of dominance, not just one game or one series or one season, uh, but a sustained for almost a decade of just pure dominance, just destroy, like destroying people's careers. Um, like for like talking about that shot over Craig Elo, um, if you watch the last like three minutes of that game ever, Craig Elo made some incredibly clutch plays down the stretch of that game, like three or four massive baskets, played incredible defense on that shot, couldn't have played better defense, but Jordan, and when was the last time you heard anything about Craig Elo's career? Never. He's never discussed. He's never mentioned as one of the great players. He was phenomenal that year in, in that series. And that was what that was the brilliance of what Jordan did, just taking these guys who could have been superstars, who could have been these all-time players, and just ripping their hearts out, ripping the fan base's hearts out, <laughs> and just destroying people's careers. And that's that's exactly what he did in that situation. All right, and that's well, what that's what we talk about when we talk about the, his his kind of brilliance. Well, let's finally talk about the shot now. Uh, so they've they've blown this lead. Uh, the four point lead has evaporated. I'm starting to feel defeatist, and I'm not even like I like the Raptors, but I don't have like a, a confirmed number one basketball team. I like three different teams, and if any single one of them, or if all three of them are doing well at any given time. I'm a happy man. And even I am starting to be like, it's Toronto sports. It's cursed. Of course this is happening. Yep. You know, like you just can't help but but feel that way. Before we even talk about it, hitting the rim, the shot leaves his hands. What's going through your mind in that moment, Rob? Well, I mean, just the degree of difficulty of that shot is just completely off, completely off the charts. And that's why if I kind of scoff at a lot of the talk that was going on today. Oh, it was lucky. It wasn't lucky. Just to put yourself in a position where you can get that kind of like a shooter's bounce, which involves obviously some the basketball gods coming down. It's just an unbelievable, uh, incredible amount of difficulty. And this is an, a, a thing. This is a sort of consistent thing we saw with Leonard over the course of the season. He had been in those situations a couple times this year. Didn't always come through in those those moments, even though he had some very clutch performances. Missed a couple of those those kind of end of end of uh, game scenarios, and but that was his spot. I mean, he got to his spot. That's his. That's the shot that he wanted. And, but still, just I wasn't feeling great about it. Watching the play develop, he's got seven foot three Joel Embiid right in his face. This is a defensive player of the year candidate. He's fading out of bounds. I mean, if you're Philadelphia, you're like, that's that's the shot that if he's gonna take that last shot, you couldn't have defended it better couldn't have put him in a better position to take a tough, tough shot. So when it left his, his hands, I'm thinking we're probably going to go to overtime here. I mean, he got to his spot, but that's, you see it, you see it leave his fingers and it's like, that's, it's impossible. Who that's, that's not a, that's, he's not, it's impossible. You cannot make that shot. It's a, it's just, we're going to, we're going to head to overtime. It hits the rim. And I feel like we're conditioned on the even just the way that it bounced to think, okay, well, even if it does catch a piece of the other side of the rim, it's still gonna probably just roll harmlessly out, right? Like, yeah, I feel like ninety nine nine hundred ninety nine times out of a thousand, that ball rolls off the rim, and it's it's really incredible. You know, this is one of the things about basketball that I love. One of the things about sports that I love how much hinges on just this one or two centimeters of, of the ball going in one direction or going the other direction. 
completely changes the narrative of of the 76ers and the Raptors. So many things are riding on this on this completely like freakish thing. But when it did hit the rim and pops straight up, that's when I started thinking like, okay, um, you know, this this has a chance. And just it was just absolutely surreal seeing it roll around the rim for what felt like an eternity. Um, did you blow up when it goes in? Like, did you did what, what's your emotional reaction in that moment? Well, like I said, I got a I had a sleeping little kid a couple <laughs> feet away from me. But even like even if no one was there, I was just I had a hand over my mouth. I was just kind of like whimpering, whimpering quietly, just saying like, "Oh my god, what has just happened here?" Because like I said, if you're a fan of this sport, if you're a fan of the Toronto Raptors, you're used to those moments going the other way. And these heartbreaking moments. You know what I flashed back to actually was game one last season against the Cavs when the Raptors led wire to wire. They looked like they had turned a corner. They looked like they had had this thing figured out. This is what the whole narrative had been last year, right? Are they going to, we're running the same team back and maybe a slightly different offensive style. Mm -hmm. Are they going to be able to compete against the Cavaliers this time in the playoffs? And a lot of people, myself included, talked themselves into it and said, yeah, I think this is different this time. It's going to be different. And there was that sequence at the end of game one when they got three or four little bunny shots, just chip it in, and you go home with the big opening series uh, victory. And what happened? The ball rolled around the rim three, four times and popped out. And I spent the whole summer thinking about what what would have happened in that series if it had just gone, if we'd gotten that other bounce. So I immediately flashed back to that because uh, like it really felt like it was the basketball gods saying like, all right, um, this year we're, we're going to, we're going to take this exact moment and this, what could have been such a painful uh, kind of what if moment. And we're going to go the other direction with it. Is it the, the best sporting moment of your life? Does anything compare to what you felt last night? Well, yeah, I think so, man. I mean, I've I've had some enjoyable moments. I think probably in the NBA, the closest I could come was the the I think it was the 2011 Finals when the Mavericks beat the Heat. I was really, really emotionally invested in that and felt really great about it. But just for the amount of times that I've followed the, the years that I followed the Raptors and the amount of times that that exact situation has played out the on the other and gone the other way, the heartbreak the kind of brushing up against the glass ceiling, uh, convincing yourself that it's going to be, you know, different. And then to have the same kind of result happen last year, especially. Yeah. I definitely, yeah, I don't think there's really any comparison. I mean, I can hear you getting emotional right now. Like, yeah. And then, and honestly, just on top of that, just the actual shot itself, uh, the game seven game on the line, buzzer beater, insanely high degree of difficulty, there's there's two or three players on the planet that could convert that in that not just the that shot but that shot in that moment uh with that degree of pressure and um that's why you have Kawhi Leonard on your team that's why you trade away the heart and soul of the franchise to bring him in was for exactly that and he delivered uh not just in that moment but throughout the fourth quarter was just unbelievable how many times have you watched it today would you figure we're not even 20 hours removed from it how many times do you think you've seen it I want to say at least a hundred of <laughs> the various uh, remixes with the music over it. Yeah. Um, the different, the, the, I watched all like the kind of the pundits weighing in on it. So I was playing repeatedly on that. Uh, so I, I've seen it a lot and this is a shot that's, this is going to be getting pl- replayed 
for decades. I mean, this is like this is one of the the greatest moments in 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 NBA history. One of the best shots ever in NBA history. So that's why I think it's, it's such an historic moment. That's why it's so for it to have that kind of a moment with the franchise that you've been following for such a long time. It's pretty special. Hell yeah, man! And I know you know you're a you're a very politically oriented guy. Your podcast that people can catch you on 49th Para Hell every single week is uh, covering uh, the political issues both here in Canada and south of the border as well. And you know, um, it hasn't been a lot of of good news on that front over the last several years to be somebody who's politically inclined either. I think you know the basis of your show is a feeling of uh, pervasive existential dread in pretty much everything that you see uh on a daily basis and so for someone who you know is feeling that way about the world in general uh how much have you just felt your overall mood and and outlook change in the hours since last night well it's just i mean it's just it's nice to feel good about something you know obviously sports is it's a it's not you know the end of the world the world's going to keep spinning uh, you know, it's not, uh, it, but this is why we watch sports is for, to have, be able to have the opportunity to experience moments like that. To be hopeful. Yeah. And, and that's why you watch a team struggle for years and years and you keep going back every season to, to, to follow them. It's for the hope that one day you're going to be able to experience a moment like that. And, um, so yeah, it's pretty special. Obviously, in the grand scheme of things, sports is just a distraction. It's something fun that we can do. It's something to kind of that we can talk about to sort of uh, maybe for a few minutes not think about the, 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 the terrifying things about the world that we live in. To not think about like looming ecological collapse. Yeah. Or uh, these thing these things. Um, but yeah, it, in terms of a sports moment, that that that's exactly why we we watch in the first place right it's to, just to have the opportunity to to experience those kinds of moments well i'm i'm glad that you got to experience it and i'm happy i got to talk to you about it rob thank you so much for doing this man thanks for having me <laughs> <laughs> devang desai i am a supervising editor at the score i'm 30 years old and i've been following them since their inception so almost my whole life basically where were you last night <laughs> so uh our rec score soccer team had our game uh, on Sunday as well, which happened to be at the exact same time as Game 7. So when I was not playing, I was watching the first half on my phone and then rushed back home, went to a local pub and watched the, the second half there. I am not proud to say it was Gabby's, which is like the... It's like a chain bar that's not super great. It's a bit like... Um, shoeless joes i guess you can say but it was really close to my house so i decided to go there <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is a situation where when you're watching the first half on the bench on your phone uh like you're almost begging to be taken out of the game we had we had enough subs where it wasn't diabolical how often i was coming off but i was coming off very frequently to the point where I was doing it hockey shit style, so like putting in a huge 45 seconds and then making way for another player. So you rush to Gabby's, <laughs> and is this uh, is is this a, a bar where you know people you know are also there watching, or it's just a matter of convenience because it's the closest thing to you? Legit convenience. I mean, I knew they would be playing with the sound on, which was basically the only requirement I had, and it was super close to my apartment. So by convenience, met some people there who were also Raptors fans. I think the the coolest moments like these are that. 
you don't really know anyone um, when it starts or when the game starts. And then by the end, it feels like you've gone through something quite incredible together. So made some, some quick friends and, and some shots are consumed in celebration. And, uh, and now I know these people now. So it's, it's a bit hilarious how the sports uh, seems to do that. Devang, I love it. You have taken the opposite approach of basically everyone I've talked to so far who wasn't working the game last night. And that <laughs> it seems like everybody wants to be alone to process yeah. the possibility of it going badly and just you know even even no matter what it's just like it's too much emotions the entire time to be around people so i love that you have gone a completely different direction here tell me about because you were okay when do you arrive at the bar like for the start of the second half pretty much yeah pretty i think it was like a couple of minutes into the third quarter but like i uh, I'm, a, I'm also a Leafs fan as well, and I'd watched a lot of games this postseason, both Raptors and Leafs, alone at my place as well. So I totally understand why people feel more comfortable like that. I think it's a bit like group therapy, though, the way I treat it now. It's like, if that did went sideways, and who knows, and Kawhi doesn't come back, and we have to basically rebuild everything, maybe being surrounded by people is not the greatest, but I don't know. I just, I just felt like we were okay. Like it was going to work out in the end, which is a shocking thing to believe as a Toronto sports fan. What's the collective emotion like in the bar as the half progresses? Because obviously Philly goes on a huge run in that third quarter, which probably feels very demoralizing. But at the same time, every time Kawhi hits a bucket, it is just like, you got a chance, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean... I think there's a lot of trepidation and nerves amongst the people that were watching the game at that place. Um, no one seemed to want to take the ball and shoot <laughs> except for Kawhi. So everything was on him. And when he missed that last free throw and, and Butler drove to the hoop and got a layup, I immediately was like, okay, this is definitely going overtime where my confidence level was pretty high before, but in OT, I'm, I'm a little scared, very scared that Philly's going to pull away just because we were not, we were having a tough time generating offense. I mean, our defense was great, but I think nervousness was just the overall feeling as we got closer to the end. I love the confidence that you're feeling like you're in it the entire time, and even that it could, you could win it in OT. The Zoobs outright said if it went to OT, they would lose 100%. No, 100%. 100%. 100%. <laughs> like I, I have never been more confident in something in my life than predicting that we would have lost that game in OT for sure. So where does the feel? Where does the, the energy of like, this is going to happen, this is going to go our way come from? Because like you said, you are a Toronto sports fan. You have lived with this team for years and years and the Leafs and everything that goes on with sports in that city. There's all kinds of reason to feel demoralized is it just is it just the sheer force of Kawhi? Is there? It is. I think we never we've never just, we've never had someone like him before. I think that's the biggest thing. I think I think it was eighteen years ago when Vince missed that shot, way back in the day. But like I think since Vince really, uh, and I don't even think Vince was on this level that Kawhi was on. So that's why I believed in the positive positive thing happening. But also I. I think it's weird. I, I Toronto sports fan. I'm a sports fan in general. I have many superstitions. I have many things that I believe in that are probably extremely dumb to some rational person, but I truly thought, I'm like, you know what? It has to change eventually, right? We can't, it's not going to be like this forever where we struggle to, to finally get over the hurdle, but I don't know, man. It was, it, it was a bit like the Jose Bathlip as well. Like it, it felt, it felt preordained, like something crazy was going to happen. So 
It's weird. It's a weird feeling. A feeling, Justin. Let me tell you that. Actually, believing that something good will happen and watching a Toronto sports team, I, I'm so rare in my life that it was a bit scary as well. But hey, it worked out. Yeah, because we're barely removed here as well from Game Seven between the Leafs and Bruins, and you know, I, even as someone who with no rooting interest in in either team there. I picked the Leafs to win that series in seven, and everyone's telling me I'm insane. That's never going to happen. <laughs> they, they, they've never done it. It's not going to – what are you doing? Uh, but I just, it just, you know, it, maybe I just hate Boston that much that I, I wanted to pick against them no matter what. Is, how does that affect your mindset coming into the night? Because you would think it would be even more demoralizing, like this confirmed proof that everything that you fear about Toronto sports has always been correct – but does it actually have the opposite effect where when you've just gone through the opposite result, you somehow feel more hopeful that things have to go your way at some point? I That feeling I was describing watching this Raptors game, the exact opposite feeling is what I had when the Leafs game seven came about. I don't think I've ever been less confident in something than the Leafs somehow pulling that out just based on what you said and the history and what, what our problems are with Boston in general. I mean, they, they own us. So I was never feeling hopeful when it came to the Leafs. And it was a bit like torture sometimes as, as we lost game six and it went to game seven. I had almost resigned myself to the fact that we were going to lose and we did. But I don't know, man. I, I just really, Kawhi Leonard has changed, it's changed how I watch the Toronto Raptors. It's, it's a weird feeling of confidence. And I, I truly don't know what this feels like. It is not normal to me. It's pretty amazing, but it is not normal at all. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you remember where you were 18 years ago for the Vince shot? I was at a friend's bar mitzvah, um, and we were listening to the the game on the in the, our buddy's fr- uh, parents' car. So we were not watching, but listening to it on the radio because we were at a TV list bar mitzvah, which boy, oh boy, that party was depressing afterwards. <laughs> that was a I've never heard people slander the education process so much that I did that day. I'm like, who needs to graduate anyways? And like, it's just a diploma. <laughs> there was some extreme takes. I wonder if Twitter was around back then. It would have exploded. But How does the emotion come through then on, on a game like that through the radio versus not even being able to see the shot, right? On the radio, it sounded like Vince took a horrible contested shot in the way, <laughs> for the way it was described. But by the broadcaster, I'm like, okay, so he he's the degree of difficulty is extremely high. Not shocked he missed. But when you watch it on replay and I watched it later, it's like, did the pump fake? He had everything right. I mean, just missed. He just missed, and it, it was a good look. So on the radio, though, I I assumed that Vince had like a brain meltdown and decided to take an insane shot. But in the end, I mean, he had to take it. It just didn't go in. So let's contrast that with last night, where you know we're in the dying seconds here. Like you just said, you you feel like they would have lost. You're with Zoobs on this one if it went to overtime. Uh, that was about, you know, the best defended, uh, you know, position they yeah. could have put Kawhi yeah. in possible. It's the exact opposite of the Carter thing. You know, everybody's drawn the parallels to how similar the moments are. But in terms of the shots that they actually got off, they really couldn't be more different, really, right? <laughs> I mean, consider it was Ben Simmons initially guarding him, and then it went to Joel Embiid, two fantastic defensive players. I mean, the degree of difficulty. <laughs> There's so many things about that moment that I still have trouble wrapping my head around. I think I've watched that video of the shot a hundred times today, and it's still, every time I watch it, I'm like, how in the world 
to not only get over Joel Embiid, but to bounce like that so many times on the rim. I just, I sometimes I struggle to believe it actually happened. It's just so crazy, man. <laughs> what's the mood like in the bar as that shot is in the air before it even hits the rim? As, as, silence, yeah. total silence. I so I am an old man now, and of course I just played soccer, so I could feel my back slowly going as I was sitting there because I did not stretch properly. And as it goes in, I jump up in the air, and we're all celebrating. I'm like, yeah, I think I just tweaked my back horribly, but it was all worth it in the end. So I was, I think I slammed the ground. I did like the the hand to the ground moment, like the with on a full knee position. Like it was hilarious. <laughs> just so I've. Yeah, and you t- you said uh, as we started here, you feel connected now to all these strangers in the bar that you did not know coming into the night. Uh, what what what's you know? Obviously, it's a party on screen. Everybody's rushing onto the court. What's it like in the bar? Jumping, dancing, high fiving. What are we talking here? Jumping at the uh, there was these two women behind me who were watching, like directly behind me in a booth, who I think watched the fourth quarter with the hand over eye look, like the fear and and scared, just like us all, but. They were so invested, and when, when he hit that shot, it was like, uh, I believe one of them started crying. Like, it was, it was just, I'd, it's one of those things where, like, I don't I don't think we'll ever see a moment like that again. And even if the Raptors, let's say, they lose to Milwaukee and, and the Bucks seem like they might be a better team, no one can take away that moment from us, even, even how it works out, even if Kawhi leaves. And I think if we lose that game, it's a totally different story. And we, we're talking, we're having some serious conversations about what the future holds for the Raptors, but it felt like a new lease on life. It felt like, it felt like anything is possible now. And, and that feeling was shown through the people I was watching it with. Well, I gotta say, Devang, cause you were living in Vancouver for a while here. A couple of years. Yeah. Devancouver yeah. De- De- <laughs> for a little while. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you know, you and I were, were buds. We hung out uh, on occasion and, uh, you you feel different to me right now, and I don't know if that's just the the vibe of being back in your hometown with your family and friends and the people that you missed the entire time you were out here, or if it, this is just I'm catching you on the right day because because the <laughs> shot changed everything. I think it's a, it's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. I had I had a great time in Vancouver, but I think uh, that connection. I mean, I watched a bunch of Raptors games and Leafs games back in back out west and you meet a lot of people who are from Toronto and you have that bond as well. But it, it just, you could, I felt the pulse of the city last night. And I, I don't, I haven't experienced, I think there's it's maybe a couple of years back when the Raptors first made the conference finals, when you felt that feeling around the city where everyone is so invested in this. But last night it eclipsed that. And I, I man, I just had people, random people walking down the street yelling Kawhi Leonard. And I'm like, yep, this is it. This is it. I love to hear it, man. That's uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, yeah, I'm so happy for you and and all of us. Really, Thank you, because man. it's not just a Toronto thing. Like this is for sure. For know, sure. The, the 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 as much as there's pushback that people want to be like, oh, the the Raptors and the Blue Jays, <laughs> they get all this coverage that you they don't deserve because they they're in the the big city. They're the only show in town. They're the only team in the entire I country. Think, uh, we all get to share the, in this. That might be the best voice acting I've heard of someone from Vancouver. Just, I think you, uh, <laughs> you nailed it entirely. There's a lot. I mean, I found it went, went two ways. Like either one, people were all in on the Raptors at West, and like they they like just love basketball. Or two, they hate them so much and have bad memories, of course, of what happened to the Grizzlies, which I get. Like your team was taken away, but. 
you, you nailed it perfectly, and I, I get, I understand why there's hard feelings, but it's the only show in town, like you said. We all, we all get to be a part of it, and why wouldn't exactly. you want to be a part of a moment like that, right? It's not I the North, just it's we the North. So how about that? That's that's poetry, <laughs> Debang. There's no better way to wrap it up than that, right there, buddy. Uh, thank you so right, much for friends. taking the time. Of course, buddy. Take care. Appreciate it. Vyasran. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a policy researcher, organizer, and writer out of Vancouver. And Vyas, uh, you were watching the game last night, yes? Yeah. So I, uh, I'm a big bandwagoner. Um, I haven't had time to watch a bunch of NBA this year, uh, but I saw I had some free time and a couple group DMs I was in. in uh, I was on in. Um, we're all watching the game, and it was game seven. I figured I should watch. So I watched almost the entirety of the game. I think I watched all the important parts, but then uh, I had to go record a little podcast we have called Roxy Fever, and I was already running late. <laughs> and uh, you know. They tied the game up. Yeah, tie I game. It, tie game. Yeah. Four seconds left. I I thought it was two seconds left, <laughs> and I for for just a second there, I totally forgot how basketball works. Like I knew that last five minutes was gonna be pretty intense, and I I had no confidence that anything was gonna happen in what I thought was the last two seconds, because uh, I haven't watched basketball for a while, <laughs> and I don't watch. Yeah, and so I. And, like, my heart rate was up watching the game. Like, I, I, I don't have too much stake in it, but, like, I was watching the game, and my heart, yeah, my heart rate is going up seeing how Kawhi played. And, uh, and I figured, oh, I got to go record the podcast. I got to jump in my car. I'm sure by the time I get in the car, overtime will have started, and I'll catch it on radio. <laughs> now, I... <laughs> now... I get in, and luckily it's on the right tune, and I just hear cheering, and I hear them talking to Danny Green. Now, I totally forgot that Danny Green was a Raptor. I thought he was traded months ago. (laughs) I thought he was involved in the Spurs trade, so I was really confused. (laughs) And I I drove for about two or three minutes before realizing uh, that the, the Raptors had won. And I was like, overtime, overtime usually isn't sudden death. That's not how basketball works. <laughs> that wouldn't make sense. So, in a, in a sport... I'm a sports fan, by the way. I have a, I have a sports podcast. <laughs> in a sport where you, you know that, like, the last minute of the fourth quarter can sometimes go on for as long as 15 minutes because time just stands still. And it's also a sport that is, like, defined by buzzer beaters as well. I just want you to say, for the record, <laughs> that with four seconds left in the fourth quarter, you got up and left. Closed the laptop, walked outside, took my sweet ass time, and I, I missed the greatest shot in Toronto Raptors history. <laughs> I'm going to sip on that coffee right now. Hello, sports fans. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is my first year being a reputable sports commentator, I think. And uh, it's all turned to shit. Oh, you're <laughs> doing you're doing great. Thank you, Viaz. I'm so glad to have gotten you got your it. perspective. <laughs> you got it. My my role on Roxy Fever is as the dumb Canucks fan. I didn't know as as a dumb sports fan. Period. So you're welcome. This is representation. Thank you. <laughs> you got it, Justin. <laughs>
I'm Jake Goldsby. Uh, I am an actor and also the co-host of Toronto's best generalist sports podcast, Sportsfeld. I'm 30 years old, and I have been following this team since day one. Where were you last night? Uh, I was alone in my apartment in downtown Toronto uh, because it was hard to schedule anything else on Mother's Day. Uh, And it was not my ideal way to watch, but can't complain with the result. So this is not a, like, Zoobs-esque, self-imposed isolation, be alone with your feelings? No, I actually said to him this morning that I don't know how he does it, because I know that is his, like, Zoobs loves to watch important games completely alone, and I hate it. To me, it makes it way more stressful when you don't have, like, the other people in a bar setting to sort or even just other people in the house to like, like offset your own anxiety by latching onto theirs or just feeling some kind of connective shared experience, whether that's good or bad. Right? Yeah. Like I was in a group chat with some friends and we were like talking on like Facebook chat throughout the whole game, which helped, but it wasn't kind of the same. So what's the vibe in your place last night, Jake? I want to know, like, uh, what's your snack situation like? Are the lights off? Uh, No, 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 no. All lights were on. Uh, I ordered a pizza somewhere, like, mid-first quarter, I want to say. Because there was, like, I had that moment of, like, do I just stay home? Do I go across town to a friend's house and, like, watch with him? And we order food. Like, what do I... I was dealing with like trying to figure out if my softball game was getting rained out or not. Uh, so I, I was just kind of, I started the game very unfocused, I would say. Are you, then, are you glued to the couch? Are you like slowly sinking no, into the cushions? Or are you standing no, up was, and pacing around? I, from like the, I guess I'm trying to remember when the game it was. I can't really specifically, but I think it was around when we went up 14, seven in the first and then they came back to sort of cut that lead. So I think it must have been like, I don't know, like the, the seven, six minute mark of the first. I was pretty much standing up pacing for the entire game, which is unusual for me. That you, I, I think because I was alone, I didn't really know what to do or how to handle it. So I was just sort of pacing and standing and then, you know, clapping and yelling and jumping on the the big actually not even the big moments just any like we hit a three that like made it 42 40 or some shit like that and i was like yeah it was it was fun but like a lot i i feel that like every single basket that Kawhi sank throughout the entire game i'm i'm yelling even if they're losing at the time like it doesn't it doesn't (laughs) matter i was waiting for like Kyle or someone to start hitting shots too. It was like every shot they put up. I was like, is this going to be the start of the run? Cause like, it felt as close. I mean, like I've been thinking about it all day. Honestly. I think I sort of said something different uh, on sports world this morning where I kind of said like, you know, it felt like a, it was going to be a one, two possession game all the way through for the first half. It kind of didn't like, it kind of felt like one of those games that a team was going to pull away. Yeah. Like, Cause they were both, they were both playing so bad on offense that felt like one run could really seal it. I was at Zoobs are having this debate this morning because he was saying how 
he doesn't find the first three quarters of basketball stressful because nothing matters but the fourth quarter. And I get that to an extent, but it was also last night, it kind of felt when like we went up seven, then they went on the 16-0 run to go up five. I was like, oh, okay, this is the run that's going to like end this game. Yeah, at the same time, though, they go the Raps go up seven. It sort of feels like they could go up 15 here. Totally. This game yeah, is not going to abs- be close at all, and I, we can just absolutely. relax. There was like five minutes where I was like, maybe this game will be over by the fourth. It, it obviously wasn't. But... <laughs> and probably for the better, right? Like, we don't... Yeah, for sure. Retrospectively, Absolutely. yes. But in the moment... Retrospecti- retrospectively, like, it literally... Very literally, and with, like, proper use of the word literally, could not have been scripted any better. So, um, you know, this is this is a, a very interesting year around the team. And and, <laughs> the, and you can't, you know, separate yourself from the history of not just watching the Raptors, but watching... Toronto sports in general, right? We are a anxious bunch, I would say. Uh, so at what point, you know, in maybe the fourth quarter, or are you feeling it throughout the entire night that, like, does it start to seep into your brain that, like, this is not going to go my way? Because why? Oh, I was ever? thinking, I've been thinking for three days. Like, it wasn't, I woke up, uh, like, yesterday morning, just, like, anxious. And, like, it, it was weird because this whole season has been very like the dichotomy of the Raptors season has been really strange because we are as Raptors fans so used to failure and coming up short. And that has been the case for 25 years now. So, or however long it's been, but it's this team is so good and they have one of the two, three best players on the planet that, there's this rational side of your brain that's like, no, like it's going to be fine. They're not going to you know, shit their pants when it gets tough or when it gets tense because they have guys like Kawhi and Gasol and Danny Green to sort of you know, weather the storm. And you can debate who did and who didn't, but just the overall feel of the team. So I was, of, of course, the history and like the anxiety was there and has been all playoffs and will continue to be for however long we're in the playoffs but there is a sense of the ability to just be like okay Kawhi's got this is very new like you knew when that when it got down the fourth with like five minutes left and him and Butler were just kind of trading buckets yeah it wasn't like I've said this I've said this a couple times in these playoffs actually about how in years past you know DeMar throws up 35 shots in a playoff game, we're like, no, stop shooting. Like, don't go one on four with Kawhi. It's like, yeah, shoot more. Do whatever you want because it's just, it's probably going to work, <laughs> which is like, I guess that's what it's like having a superstar player. It's like, it's just, it's just kind of going to work. Are you used to that feeling yet, or is it still like no. you're mentally fighting against that with everything you got? I don't think I will get used to it unless he stays. Like, I think if he stays and we get another year of seeing that and, like, you know, load management or not, like, if we get another playoff run with Kawhi, then I think that sort of unfamiliarity would, it's like, yeah, we got this, we have Kawhi. But I think the fact we don't know adds to all of it. Just like, is this this, like, have we been gifted one year of, like, 
gloriousness and then we go back to being average you know so yeah it's like, like it's not just like people saying unreal to describe like you know the 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 shot and everything that happened last night it's literally the feeling of unreality that this is yeah. not that this is not but normal that this can't c- continue i said last night on twitter that like that shot never goes in for the raptors like the sort of buzzer beating clutch playoff shot it just doesn't happen We've had some clutch playoff performances before, but they've been like whole games and moments. They've always been tempered with the like, well, okay, fine, but then there's LeBron, or well, they shouldn't have taken this many games to win this series. Like there was, there hasn't been an experience really where it's like, okay, this should go seven. Philly's a good team. They have three all-world players. Like there's no reason, and two other very complimentary pieces. And then to be like, but we have the best player. And he's taking a shot at the buzzer, and it's going in, is totally new. Do you remember where you were 18 years ago for the Vince shot? I, I do remember where I was for the Vince shot. I was in my parents' bedroom, watching the game. It's like, uh, like huddled, just squeezing the blankets on the bed, and just like, sort of unfamiliar with playoff tension. Like I know we had the Leafs here, but yeah, the Leafs were pretty ubiquitously good for most of other like i know there was a mid 90s period where they were shit but Mm -hmm. i also wasn't i was a leafs fan but like i wasn't like a super passionate leafs fan because i've never been like a hockey guy really yeah i which is funny even though i was paid to be one but (laughs) (laughs) um i like obviously i like i care about the leafs and i but like they're definitely third on my like toronto hierarchy so i would Obviously, I cared and would follow it and would watch, especially in those playoff series. But that, I think because of my age and because, like, the Raptors have always sort of felt to me, and I think this is, I don't know, but I assume this is common for sort of my generation trial. Like, the Raptors are sort of our team because, like, it's the only one other than, like, TFC. But, like, they, they come it, in with you, right? Like, you, yeah, like, you... we were there when they started. Exactly. And so I think that, and Vince's sort of ascent was so otherworldly at that time. And to be, I was 2001, so I was 13 for that game. To be, or not even, I was 12. But to be, like, that, like, age where sports just mean the most in the world to you. Because you have the most Vin- free time to be invested Ex- yeah, in them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I remember watching Vince's dunk contest and being like, what? is this this is insane like it was truly like the biggest thing in the city and it was it's basketball so it's like it's cool and it's interesting and it's just it's the similarities and like poetic whatever of the shot last night to vince's is weird is that the first like big sports heartache you can remember is there anything major before that I don't think there was a singular moment. Like, the Jays becoming bad was pretty affecting. But that's but... just that's like a, a procedural slide, right? And yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure, like, there must have been a le- I feel like I don't remember being affected by... Like, I was obviously disappointed when the Leafs lost, mm-hmm. and especially in those years where, like, they went to the conference final against, like, Buffalo and Carolina... But I don't know if they hit me quite like the Vince one, especially because 
I, I have no idea if this is accurate because this was, you know, 2001 and I did not know, you know, analytics and there was no Twitter and there wasn't Blake to tell me what to think. But like, <laughs> I th- feel like I remember, even though we were a seven seed, the overwhelming feeling, I think because of Vince was like, we were going to stomp Milwaukee if we got past the Sixers and then to not. And it was like, Oh, okay. Well, and then especially where the franchise went in the next 13 years. Yeah. Like how much does that one single moment almost kind of shape your, your outlook for like the next decade, essentially. Totally. I think, I think it's one of the biggest sports. What ifs the city has, like if that shot falls and they go to the finals on like with Vince carrying there. I think I think we absolutely get destroyed by the Lakers in the final. But if they went and then you know maybe more free agents come, maybe we don't have to rely on aging Hakeem Olajuwon. Maybe we, maybe Vince doesn't you know lose faith in the management team, and maybe Vince stays and all of that. Little brother also ran uh, narrative that we had. Maybe it doesn't exist. Because like if Vince stays and the team stays good, we never get Chris Bosh and maybe and then maybe we never get the Andrea Bargnani fiasco. Like it is true one of those moments that would have changed the entire course of the franchise, but, which is crazy. But then you gotta you gotta follow that all the way through, which is like if everything happens for a reason, and if none of those bad years come around, then ultimately you probably don't get Kawhi right it's now. It's true, either. and we probably don't get Kyle Lowry, and we probably don't get. Marcus Salt, like it's true. Like Lowry, also, and then also like the what if of what if James Dolan hadn't chickened out and had taken Lowry in twenty fourteen. Like that is the other one. Like it's just this franchise is so. I don't want to say cursed because I don't think so. Because there's always been a good reason why they've lost mm-hmm. or been bad. Like it's not like weird luck things. Like. Like the Red Sox had like Bill Buck, it went through Bill Buckner's legs or something. The Raptors have always been like, no, they got beat by LeBron or they weren't good enough. But there is this like cursed feeling to the Raptors where it does sort of feel like it was all for last night, which makes me worry a little bit for the next round of like, was that the like, was that our thing? Like, are we done now? <laughs> which I don't think so because like, Kawhi is not gonna think that, but and, and you don't come out of a moment like that only to just you know roll over and die, right? Like there, no, it's for sure. They're just as inspired like, as the rest of us. I would have to totally. Assume. And like, and Kyle had that quote after the game last night where he kind of said, you know, when the ball fell, it was like an exhale for everyone. So I'm I'm kind of hopeful that that exhale will carry them to. Especially like some of like the non Kawhi guys to just like unclench a little bit in the next round and hopefully play like they did, you know, for the p- previous eighty seven games or whatever. I was just having this conversation with Devang, and it's funny because you know obviously everyone's drawing comparisons and parallels between uh, the Kawhi shot and the Vince shot, eighteen years apart, same same team, same you know. <laughs> All these different things. Same, it was the same shot, but but not really though, right? Because like, I mean, it was the if, same location if, on the floor. If, I if guess. you look at Vince's shot, like that is the exact perfect spot that you would want him to be shooting from, and he gets off basically the perfect shot that he would want, and it just doesn't go. But I mean, I 
I'm still mad that he didn't take the extra half second. Like, he had him yes. in the air. Just take the second. Don't fade. Clearly, I'm still hanging on to an 18-year-old basketball game. But, but, but for Kawhi, it's like... Philly couldn't box him out any better. They could, no, he couldn't have been in a worse position to get that shot away. And he just he gets up so high, and the shot arcs so high. Like it's the fact he got it off at all is a miracle. So like take me take me into your head in that exact moment as the ball is leaving his hands. Oh man, I don't even know if I remember. I remember I what I do remember is I remember the ball hitting the rim. Like I was. My first thought when the play started was, okay, they got it into him. Because they'd had a couple, call them questionable inbound plays in the fourth quarter, where it was like, oh, man. <laughs> like, <coughs> Actually, no, my first thought was that Nick Nurse ran a play out of a timeout with four seconds left. <laughs> no, I was like, okay, that's a good sign. And then, then the thought was, okay, they got the ball into Kawhi. Like, I didn't even, I know they've been, the play's been broken down a bunch today about how like Kyle might have been the first option and and how like they looked off Kyle and then gave it to Kawhi. That didn't even register with me in real time. To me, in my brain, it was like, oh, they're just going to Kawhi. And then when he got in, he kind of sort of got around the elbow to the corner. I was like, okay, he actually might get a shot off. But there was no part of me at any point that thought the shot was going in, because that doesn't happen. It's literally never happened before in a game seven. And for, then, for anyone, never for mind. For anyone, never, never mind history, like, the, the, the city that has just cursed energy at every at every turn right like yeah like it's and then he gets it off and in the air it looked on tv it looked like it's no like it, it looked like it was going short and then it, the first bounce i think when he shot it i jumped up in the air <laughs> and i think i sort of came down in a similar position that Kawhi did that like sort of the crouch, crouch. Fr- and then it was that, like, like a the, rap front man, basically. Like, yeah, <laughs> you got like, your wait. whole crew behind you. And just like the the 1.9 seconds of the, or those four bounces just felt like an hour. Like it was, it was like a, I don't know if I was holding my breath, but it sure felt like I was. And then the, re- when it went in, I reacted as, you know, one does. I screamed and sort of ran up and down my apartment like a lunatic but the reaction was i didn't really believe it had happened it was like it felt similar to uh the bat flip where when like i don't remember that ball leaving the park like it's one of those things like i know it happened so like i saw it happen but the actual moment i is kind of just like i didn't believe it went in. Like, I was like, oh, he didn't get it off. Or, oh, it didn't actually go in. And everyone's, the whole 20,000 people in the ACC are wrong. Yeah. And then it wasn't until I sort of finished running laps in my apartment and came back to the TV that I was like, oh my God, it like, no, that went in. You, you experience like, uh, like sensory overload in a way where you're, you're, yeah. It's like you're so overjoyed that your concept of being able to process anything goes kind of out the window, I guess. Because I've heard yeah, a lot of people say this today is like, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I think it's, I can only think of the three, there's three sport moments I can think of where would be like Edwin's home run in the wildcard game, the bat flip, and Crosby's goal in 2010. All three of those, I don't remember them actually happening. And like for Edwin's home run, I was in the building, and I, I remember the immediate aftermath. 
but like the actual moment of that release is like it i i know it happened i can feel it in my throat today that it happened but it's just like a it's, like, it's like a flash of white light right it's like yeah, totally. uh, it's it's like if you were to jump up right now and and start yelling i don't know if it's a combination of like the rush of blood to your head in in that just Maybe. sudden movement or just like you know if you just like if you're in the moment and you're passionately feeling uh the joy of sports elation you know if you squeeze your eyes tight when you open them again there's like uh there's, there's like a light you know <laughs> yeah what I, mean? I think that that's a good way to look at it i think and, and i think it's and it woke and it was one of those things that i don't know if this is the raptorsness of it all or just the next day after moment like once in a lifetime moments like that where like the whole day it seemed kind it seemed sort of not real in a way it's one of those like oh my god we're still alive like that game did happen like we and like i thinking about the next series seems impossible like the fact after that that we still have to win eight more games to win a title seems like not impossible to do but just like the concept of it that there could be more insanity and more basketball after that is like well like that can't that's not a thing like <laughs> why why would there be more basketball after that that was the best basketball is even the, though it was the worst basketball but is there any way that this ends badly now or is this moment so transcendent that it doesn't really matter what happens here i mean i think it can always end badly for the raptors <laughs> i think that's all like i rash in retrospect probably not like I think in the moment, like if we get absolutely just punked by the Bucks, which is possible, like they just get swept and out in four games by like a combined like a hundred points, that that'd be real tough to take. But I think in retrospect, regardless of if Kawhi stays or leaves, we will always have that moment, and like no matter what happens the only Game 7 buzzer beater in a playoff series belongs to the Raptors. Like, forever. And that's indisputable. Like, it's just, it's history. So, it will be tough if, when we lose, but I don't think it will ever, like, tarnish this. Similar as we look at the bat flip, where it's like, they lost, which makes it not quite as, you know, momentous as it might have been. Mm -hmm. But that moment is still talked about in such you know loving tones and it'll never be forgotten that this i think this is a similar situation and i and if they if you know whatever god's plan that they go on and actually win the damn thing this would be like this will be looked at as if they win the whole thing this will be looked at as the greatest one of top two Sports, I think it's already number two in Toronto sports history, but like I, it, I can't imagine how this will be discussed if they actually win the thing. <laughs> Dare to dream. I got, I got one yeah. last question for you, Jake, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, and you mentioned off the hop that you are uh, an actor. Uh, some people might know that you were uh, on Degrassi back in the day as a child. I was. It's true. And this is uh, this is the season. This is the year that wraps nine oh five. The G League team. <laughs> yep. They brought you guys in. They had a they Degrassi did. night. They did. Or Degrassi Saturday afternoon. But yeah. <laughs> 
so that they uh, embraced Degrassi, and I know you've talked about this before, but you you also uh, have embraced that side of yourself after you know going through a Leonard Nimoy "I am not Spock" <laughs> phase, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to not go through that Nimoy phase when it's like you, when you went through puberty doing whatever you did when you went through puberty. The fact it happens to be a TV show, I think, is sort of just like makes it bigger. But like, no one's like, "Hey, that stuff I did when I was fifteen, that was fucking awesome." You know what I mean? So like, it took me a while to sort of come to grips with that. But I, it, the last year has been good, sort of, for my brain with that, which has been nice. Well, I just my question is: Do you think it's uh, any coincidence that? The year where the Raptors help you embrace a part of yourself, you in turn uh, embrace a part of the Raptors that you feel unfamiliar with as well. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm not a big believer in, you know, things meaning things. But you know, I look at last night and maybe it is who like (laughs) (laughs) you know so i don't know if it would certainly be a nice little tidy script for everything that would be that's for sure seems like everything's following a pretty good script so far i would say yeah hopefully it continues on wednesday which like okay there's more in two days great (laughs) well jake uh thank you so much for doing this man i really appreciate you taking the time thanks for talking Vivek Jacob, writer at Yahoo Sports Canada. I have been following the team for 19 years, 19, maybe 20. 20 might be a safer bet. And uh, where were you last night? I was at the Yahoo Sports Canada office. Covering the game there, uh, basically writing a game story. What's the what's the process for you during game times uh, in the office? So the process for me is uh, essentially uh, for the first half. If there's any quick sort of blog type stories that we can we can do off something that's happened in the first half, uh, then I'll write that. So say for example, um, something like Jonas Valanciunas showing up for. Uh, game one against the Orlando Magic. Uh, you know, I'll do a short post on that. Once halftime hits, then I'm just focused on the game story uh, at, that I file at the buzzer. Are you so? Is it a stressful experience for you then? Even just more so, focusing on getting your story out than it is even focusing on the game itself. Absolutely, uh, especially in 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 a tight game where. You know, especially with 30 seconds left, you're thinking Toronto has a four-point lead, and so you're writing the story uh, that way. And then Jimmy Butler ties the game with four seconds left, so now you've got to get a bit more neutral because you don't know which way it's going to go. And yeah, uh, what's your? You know, I, there's I've talked about this a little bit earlier. What's your feeling on? Because that video circulated of the the Sportsnet newsroom and and all the producers in there just you know, going nuts as, as the, as the basket goes in. And, you know, as, as somebody who is covering the team and probably wants to keep a, you know, a professional lid on things, do you allow your, your emotions to seep in at all as somebody who's obviously, like you said, been following this team for several decades now? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, for me, uh, when I'm at the games, I definitely try to be professional about it. 
and not get caught up in the emotion of it. And I think I've been able to do a good job of it. But in this moment, I think recognizing that I was in the office with two other people that probably wouldn't have cared how I'd react uh, to the situation. I mean, basically what happens is uh, the shot goes up. I think at about the third bounce, I almost expected it to go in. So I, I, I don't even remember seeing the ball actually go through the hoop um, live. I, I, in my mind, it had already gone in and I had jumped out of my chair and I had sort of run down the hallway then <laughs> um, with my fist fist up, you know, sort of the old, the old uh, MJ cheer. And, <laughs> and then I realized that I had to file my story. So I ran back, uh, threw in the buzzer beater that the Raptors had won and then submitted that. Who else is, uh, is with you there in the studio? Who are you running to go celebrate with? Um, so at the time, it was just the three of us. Uh, at the office, so it was myself, uh, Kieran Breen, uh, who's a video produ- producer, and Arun Srinivasan, who's a writer as well. And so the two of them, honestly, I couldn't tell you what they were doing because um, I had sort of run off by myself. <laughs> and yeah, by the time I came back, um, they seemed to have settled down. Um, I had to go find my chair that I just got <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love that you have a story to file, and I'm, you have a you know a lead and probably a final paragraph that needs entirely to be revised. But there's yeah. still that need to have um, a communal experience in that moment, right? Like, because... yeah. Um, sorry, you were going to say something? No, because because like it's like even even as much as you want to focus on uh, professional stuff at that time sports is is a, is a connective tissue so many friendships are born out of it that you it's impossible to watch a moment like that and not want some sort of human connection immediately after it right absolutely and i think part of why i had that reaction is because i've wanted this city and this country to experience that for the raptors for so long you know all those moments of Vince missing that fadeaway against Philly 18 years ago or Chris Childs uh, forgetting the clock and, and you know, Kyle Lowry getting blocked by Paul Pierce at the buzzer or even when things were supposed to be different last year um, and the Raptors looked like they're, they were going to make things different by winning game one against Cleveland and then they completely fall apart in the fourth quarter of that game one. Um Every time it seems like everything is supposed to go wrong for the Raptors, and I feel like the fan base here has has that ingrained into them, and so they always expect the worst. And I think for the first time with this moment, they can actually, you know, now be captivated by the possibility of winning rather than the fear of losing. It's it's a, a rare hopeful moment that. You know, I, I talked about this with, with Blake earlier that, you know, so much of the feeling at the end of last year was, well, this season was such a wild ride and so so perfect in so many ways until the end. And for it to end exactly the same way as it always has, 
how do you come back and, and invest yourself in the long haul of a season again after this? Obviously, they made sweeping changes that were hard to predict in that uh, moment right after they'd lost to the Cavs. But, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like th- this is – this is everything. This is this is what this is some this is like where does this rank in terms of you know not just professional moments of things that you've gotten to cover but as someone who's been watching sports your whole life like how does this stack up for you in in the grand scheme? In the grand scheme in your in your uh, power rankings of sports moments. Um so for me, you know, I'll give you a bit of background. Um you know, I was born in India. I grew up in Dubai. Uh, so the Indian cricket team has always been the number one for me. So when they won the World Cup back in 2011, um, that I think will always be the greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, and But for the Raptors, if they were to ever win a championship, that would probably be right there. Um, because my attachment to the Raptors actually happened before I ever even came to Canada. Um, and basically, I was a kid in growing up in Dubai. Um, basketball wasn't really big there. All I cared about was soccer and tennis and cricket. And all of a sudden, on Friday evenings, if I remember correctly, there was this show called NBA Action that started airing. And at the end of the half-hour show, there was a top 10 countdown. And it seemed like... Clips of the week, basically, from everything that's happened that week, essentially? Exactly. But what got me hooked was week after week after week, I kept seeing the same dude in purple jersey jumping out the gym. And, you know, people talk about Vince Carter's impact on Canada. I mean he had a global impact to reach out to this kid in Dubai that didn't, didn't really care about basketball and then was just hooked. And obviously guys like Iverson and Jason Kidd and Kobe and Shaq had an impact too, but I became a Vince Carter fan. And because of that, I became a Raptors fan before I knew anything about Canada before, you know, before I knew anything about Toronto And that's part of why, you know, when my parents told me for the first time that we'd be moving to Canada, we'd be moving to Toronto, I was super excited because I I was like, oh, my God, we're going to be in the same city as the Raptors. And so part I mean, to be honest with you, when when we came to Canada in 2002, that was sort of the downturn of Vince's career as a Raptor. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get it because from the outside. Uh, you don't understand all all that stuff about the parking spot and not you know not wanting to dunk anymore and the injuries you know all, all I'm seeing are all these highlights and thinking why why do they hate this man and then obviously over time you get it um, and and then you, you you see all the bad stuff that happens with this franchise and so I guess being a fan of like the Indian cricket team which is in general very successful. Uh, I grew up uh, in, in terms of watching soccer. I was a fan of Manchester United, so they were pretty successful. Um, so to, to have this team that was constantly sort of underachieving or always being made fun of, um, 
I always just envisioned a scenario where the only way Raptors fans would get out of that rut is if they genuinely experienced winning and, you know, plays like this make you believe that one day that time will come in Toronto. I got to tell you, Vivek, I have been talking to people for the last probably four hours here uh, about their, you know, elation of, of after last night and just the pure joy that people have felt uh, in that moment and since watching the replays afterwards. And, uh, you know, to, to feel this kind of joy in sports is such a rare thing anyways, but um, that is the most beautiful thing I have heard all day long. That's, uh, that is absolutely <laughs> incredible. And so, Thank you so much. And, and so to have that kind of connection to Vince like you do, like how much more impactful is it to see a, a moment like that knowing the, you know, the echoes of 18 years ago? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because so like I said, I became a Raptors fan in Dubai. So that seven game series 18 years ago, I still remember because of the time difference the games would be going early in the morning as I'm getting ready for school. And, you know, these were the days of dial-up internet. And so right before I'm going to school, I'm trying to sign on to the internet, quickly check the score, and then head to school. And so for this game seven, it's going back and forth. And then I just reached a point where I had to go to, I had to go catch my bus. Um, so I didn't know what had happened in the final minute. And then I have to go to school. I'm sitting there for eight hours, not knowing what, what's happening. And I'm just, I just want to go back home, get on the internet and see what's happened. And then, yeah. And then I see uh, that the Sixers advanced. I, you know, I click on the highlight of this 56 KB to, or 256 KB video of Vince missing the shot. And obviously I'm down about that. And... You know, to have it play out this way 18 years later, um, you know, the scar is gone. No one no one can make, you know, those Barney jokes anymore. No one can make those, you know, Craptors jokes anymore because the Raptors have arguably the best player in the world. Uh, I... <laughs> You know, we're not on video chat right now. I sort of wish we were so you could just see the, the big dumb smile on my face the entire time you've been talking <laughs> here, man. This is really beautiful, uh, beautiful, sentimental stuff. I got one last question for you before I let you go, Vivek. What yep. felt longer to you, the eight hours that you sat in school not knowing the result of Game 7 18 years ago or the two seconds that that ball bounced four times before going in. <laughs> oh man, uh, that's a that's a that's a really good question. Um, I would I would have to say, uh, I think I think the eight hours felt longer, uh, just in the sense that again that was the time. I'm when you sort of kind of you kind of still fear the worst. Yeah. But Kawhi Leonard has brought this hope uh, and this belief. And so even when the shot goes up, you know, even that first bounce, you're still sort of hopeful uh, with the four seconds left. 
you know, it wasn't like it. I was thinking, oh, the Raptors have blown it again. Um, I was thinking Kawhi's got four seconds to win this. And so I think when you're, again, um, anticipating that winning moment, it comes a little faster than when, when you're so anxious over uh, the worst that might happen. That's uh, you know a beautiful place to end it, man. Thank you so much. Vivek Jacob, yeah. you can find his stuff at uh, Yahoo Sports Canada and I believe Locked On Raptors as well. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. Thank you so much for taking the time, Vivek. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks, Justin. Kawhi up top. Looks at the clock. Turns the corner for the win. That's real good for the week. It was a pure pleasure to put together. I want to thank every single person who joined me to share their stories this week. Uh, Sean Woodley, Blake Murphy, Max Kerman, Andrew Zuber, Josh Custodio, Rob Russo, Devang Desai, Vyaz Saran, Jake Goldsby, and Vivek Jacob. Uh, wonderful emotion, wonderful thoughts, uh, and and just, uh, you know, the, the pure... The pure essence of sports joy. This is what we are all watching games for night after night is to uh, get to experience the elation of a moment like this. So thank you to every single one of them for joining me this week to share their stories. Thank you to you for tuning in and listening to the show this week. Uh, I know it's not the typical hockey discussion that we get into, but on a moment like that, you got to talk about it. You just do. You just do. My name is Justin Morissette. Uh, if you like this show and you want to support it, you can do so by heading on over to patreon.com slash realgoodshow or just uh, do me a solid by throwing me a review on iTunes or wherever you happen to get your podcasts or just tell someone that you know that the show exists and that you like it and that they might like it too. It's always nice when people do that. So uh, until next week, be real, be good, be real good. Yes. Yo, when I'm writing, I repeatedly edit words and rework tracks. I'll admit, I'm like the Raptors, I got weak first drafts. So when I'm dropping a new flow, it's probably not all that solid at first post. You might call it a rude show, but ballers improve, yo. And in the same way, soon the tunes get better and I polish a gene, though. Who knows, I might get acknowledged in kudos. It's cool, though, as long as I keep rocking a few shows. Not to model some new clothes, pocket that loop, bro. I'm still trying to figure tax stocks in the loop. 
loopholes Like where's the refund? We file for them, deducted from gross Should that be taken off the net like child porn? My smile's more off, but I ain't that pissed though I still got cash and I don't lack distro And if I didn't, I wouldn't change to go back fistfuls Or cold green, homie, I'm no black mistral show Chat just don't compromise In this life, you just don't compromise Fancy for the man, please, my listeners understand me My fight to go about this right, what the stand means It's more than some grand schemes to hold up a Grammy We fighting in a war that we can't see My brothers and sisters in this struggle, there's no fans, we family Same root and branch tree, listen, I'm am Keep your hearts warm, minds on fire and I'm antsy I know it's so cliche, but I'm angry that some can't eat Meanwhile, I'm letting a damn feast of pastas and canned meats rot in my pantry Like, Lord, please, can we speak on this frankly? Like, God, why you letting this happen? Amen, he answers, son, I'm asking you the same thing Cause you're supposed to be my servants out there working Like you're my hands reaching out to those that's hurting You don't have long on this earth and I hope you won't compromise I said I hope you won't compromise In this life, yo, we just can't compromise In this fight, yo, we just can't compromise For our time, yo, we just can't compromise Our whole lives, yo, we just can't compromise I said we just can't compromise There's too many ways and ways to compromise This stands wrong, yo, we just can't compromise Torture, <laughs> look at you. <laughs> Fuck off.